Alright, anyway, well, welcome back to another exciting episode of Lost of Lieutenant. I'm your host, Kevin, and on tonight's show, I'm joined by fellow hosts... Nick and Jacob. On tonight's show, we're going to be discussing the or in-depth discussion into deployment in Infinity. Um, but before we get into all of that, we'll uh, hit the usual preamble. Gents, what have we been up to? Well, as far as Infinity goes, myself, I've not really been doing that much, unfortunately. I've had a few games here and there, been trying to get to the tournaments we've been running recently. I was un- unfortunately unable to make the... Uh, the post-Easter tournament, Julian's little pet project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I, I had to cancel on that one at the last minute just because of family stuff. But um, I... Uh, you did pop into the pub for... afterwards. That's right. Exactly. I did. I popped into the pub, um, had a few too many drinks. Um, <laughs> and, and, um, because of the family <laughs> stuff you were dealing with? Yeah. Yeah. So then, like, the next day I was very dusty. Um <laughs> And managed to, um, I, 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 I smashed some Panadol and a, um, and the Barocca at 5am and then, um, managed to sleep until like eight o'clock and got up and had breakfast and felt okay. We went out as a family, like on an outing to, um, to Westfield, Doncaster. And then about 1pm, the Panadol wore off while I'm in the, um, in the parents' room at the at the Westfield, oh. and I like literally almost fell over because of this uh, hangover that hit me all at once. But um, it was a super fun night at the pub, getting getting a chat with everybody there who who, who went along to the uh, the the two day tournament that um, that we had the other week, and um, uh, great to see some new faces there as well, which was awesome. Yeah, I think uh, we we've been uh, mentioning that in the last episode, but yeah, it was uh, there was lots of new new people or um, to at the tournament, so it was yeah, it's good. I always enjoy those nights and I look forward to more of them. Um, Jacob, I haven't seen you around. Well, you actually haven't been on the cast a little while. Um, you all right? Yeah, just yeah, just life getting in the way. I've been trying to get some games in on um, tabletop just because, literally, just because of the ease of organizing it. Um, have you? I, did, I couldn't. Sorry, have have you been have you gotten any games on tabletop on TTS? Yeah, yeah, I, I had a, I had a couple with a, a, fr- a friend from Melbourne who uh, had to move up to uh, the Northern uh, Territory. Um, I had a go at because I, I wanted to test it out. Um, I played a oh, Captain Protect. Do you want to n- um, uh, name drop that person? Yeah, yes, uh, the Sam Benson, not the one who, uh, who, not the painter. Not the yeah, not the painter of uh, White Noise and Drop Bear Workshop yeah. fame, but the uh, the the arguably um, more handsome uh, Sam Benson mm. from Melbourne, or the other Sam Benson from Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, lo- we we love him more. Oh well, I don't I don't know I don't know if either Sam Benson listens to this cast, but uh, we, we we love you both. Um, so sorry, you were playing Capture and Protect. Yeah, I, I wanted to find out, and I, I mean, I asked you guys um, about how it went and had. I wanted to see if what I thought about Captain Protect was correct. So the last game I had was seeing uh, playing that, and yeah, it was the same sort of thing. Of it was just so hard to score in that game with with the way they've changed it up. Because it has changed, though, right? With them, you do yeah. you do now score at the end of every round, which is a Scor- bit, scoring yeah. each scoring each round is a is a massive change for yeah, that for that mission. It's huge, it's especially when one of them is have the enemies 
thing in your deployment on the turn. Oh, yeah. I can only only think of two armies that have like a half-decent chance of doing that, and that's Huck Islam slash Assassins and CA slash um, uh, Shazvasti. Why is that? Because you're because you're you're the only ones that are able to guaranteed have something next to the um, ox with smoke. Yeah. Oh, so so you put your um your impersonator up there yep. or something, and then just pick up the box and run straight back. Yeah, and you've got a second impersonator to chuck smoke on them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, look, it's, I'm, it's, I'm, it's... Sure, I'm sure there's others, other ways of doing it, like you, you know, like with uh, what's his face uh, Saito and all that sort of thing, but um. Yeah, I thought it would be a low-scoring game. Um, when I had my game, we uh, it was pretty much the only thing we managed to accomplish was the HVT. Oh, sorry, whatever objective we had, my uh, uh, Sam managed to finish his. I managed to capture the HVT. Um, yeah, I feel that way. I feel that way about 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 uh, capture and protect as well. Whenever I played it, it is. I think it's just one of those missions where you just really have to. If you go first, you. You gotta go hard, but then you know, then but then your your opponent's just gonna defend hard. So it, it's yeah, I found it very um, difficult to to push up and grab that beacon on turn one. But um, that's good. Um, I haven't had many games either actually since Pet. I did have a game recently in person with Ryan, which I'll go into a little bit more detail in a bit um, because we have an announcement. Um, for the show uh, um, which we're very excited about and should I actually should I just get into that now gents well before you do that I mean if we're talking about catching up on what we've been up to I did have an interesting anecdote not oh. necessarily about about playing games but how I recently made a new friend uh, in the uh, in the in the wargaming um, sphere environment community um, yeah, so we've um, at the apartment that I live in, we've had a uh, one of our front windows has been cracked since the day that we moved in, and um, then over the part we've been here for like over two years, right? And then over the past sort of uh, couple of weeks, the crack that was a very small crack in the corner of the window managed to just all of a sudden make its way from the bottom corner right to the very top of the window. Mm. So we're like, yep, yeah, we'll call the real estate. They need to get this thing replaced. So we um, the uh, get a call from the glazier who's going to come in and uh, pops in and um, is real helpful, super friendly dude, um, replaces the window uh, in like an hour or so. It was an awesome job. And then um, when he's, when he's, when he's on his way out, he um, goes to, he comes into the laundry area, which is where I do my podcasting and have my little miniature painting set up to uh, to wash his hands and then after he does that comes back in and like I was working from home that day but um Kirsty my wife was was here as well and um so she he was talking with her and he's like oh who's the who's the um who's the miniature painter in the family and uh, so Kirsty called me out and I started having a chat with uh with this fellow um Adam who was uh big into big into Warhammer and also has a um has a uh, like an Instagram page where he posts all his all his miniature painting and everything. So now we follow each other on Instagram. And um, I was like, yeah. Oh, by the way, I have a podcast as well, so I'm kind of a big deal. Um, and yeah, so now we're uh, now we're best mates. Oh, so. that's so wholesome. <laughs> it's a small world after all. 
Yeah. So. Oh, um, that's a, such a cute story, Nick. Yeah. Thanks for so that. he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't play Infinity, but he is he is looking into getting into more lower model count games, just so he doesn't have to um, paint such big armies, and so he doesn't oh. have such a such a thing such stuff to lug, lug around. So. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll have ourselves a new Infinity player at some point. Does that mean you're at a Lyle and say you only you only need ten models? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. I mean that that is the that is the biggest lie of Infinity is that you only need ten 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 models. But I mean, in 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 the in the army that you bring on the day, you only need fifteen. So that's 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 true. Yeah, but you could literally buy a hundred. Well, I mean, I don't haven't done the math on this, so bear in mind. We could buy a hundred Infinity models, and it would still be less than like one big GG dub model, right? So sure. I mean, cost-wise, but also like the if you buy an entire faction from Infinity, you're still you're, the number of models that you've got is less than than a than like the size of I don't know, like a Space Marine army or something. Yeah, I mean, and I so if 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 painting and that number of models is is your barrier to entry, then um, you don't have to paint a hundred Space Marines all the same color. That's right. Although I don't, I mean, like I say, I've been out of 40k for a while. I mean, I know a lot's changed and, and the table sizes have changed and the model count has probably, hopefully changed because given that there's so many big fucking models on the table anymore, you'd hope that they're, you know, you don't need 100 orcs as well, although you may very well do. Um, but <laughs> that's, no, that's cool. I like that. I like that anecdote. Uh, Nick, yeah, so that. that was, that was my, my little anecdote that I wanted to regale you guys with about, uh, about making a new Actually, friend. wait a minute. Is that an anecdote? Because there was that just a story. Because it's an anecdote, then you got related back to something else. Um, no, you're thinking of like, oh, shit. I'm pretty sure an anecdote yes, thought, has thought, a purpose. I thought, like, I thought an anecdote was, was what, isn't an anecdote just just a, just a small story? It is. It's. I think it's an. It's usually used to um, clarify a position, right, or uh, an experience or something. Anyway, I don't know. Moving on. Um, if anyone wants to answer that question, uh, feel free to uh, drop us a line. An anecdote is a brief, revealing account of an individual person or an incident. Okay. So it's just a short, specific story. Fair enough. I'm the idiot then. So, there uh, so um, yeah, so Lost Lieutenant, we, uh, you know, we're, we've been here for a couple of years almost now. And we're actually heading into our 50th episode. So we're, uh, this is episode, going to be episode 49. So the next one, after this one, which is, we don't know when it's going to be, honestly, because we're not very well scheduled. But uh, the next one will be episode number 50. So, well, um, can I, yeah. on a, just on a point there, actually, I think this might actually be our 50th published episode because there was a couple there that don't have numbers on them that were just like, recaps of, of events that we decided not to put numbers on so we might already have actually that many episodes published as in individual things that you could possibly listen to but in terms of the our numbering um convention sure this is, you this is you are important. you are technically correct nick which is the which is the right kind of correct because <laughs> kind of correct we did we did do we did do a uh fantasy draft as well which i never i never gave those episode names uh, numbers either because they were kind of a side. So you're right. This is probably fifty-one, two, whatever. But for the purpose of this, uh, this is episode forty-nine, and the next episode after this will be our fiftieth episode. In bunny ears things. 
Um, so we are going to uh, announce. Well, we're going to we're going to announce, announce a few things. But the first thing we'd like to announce is uh, we're going to start doing a monthly challenge from um, next month, so May, and it will go through the month of May. And you, if you win the challenge, you are in for some sweet, sweet prizes. And what is this challenge you're asking us? Well, we, we should probably, I mean, we should, before going in, we'll just plug where those prizes are coming from. So oh, our yes. Good friends at, um, at, uh, Toy Soldier Imports. You just Toy forgot the name of Toy Soldier Imports. Yeah. I had the great idea of bringing up the company that decided to, it was, was, was kind enough to, to lend some support to our, our our little endeavor over here, but then couldn't even remember the name of the company. Quick <laughs> um, Soldier Imports. Um, I know I've spent far too much money with those guys, and um, if you're in um, Australia, I'm sure, I believe they ship internationally as well. So if you are looking for uh, somewhere to pick up Infinity stuff, or that they do supply a whole bunch of other games as well, jump on their site and, and check them out. Yeah, no, they're they're fantastic. I just ordered. Uh, the second lot of prizes for the upcoming Cerberus Crisis, which is happening in, in May as well. And uh, yeah, they're fantastic to deal with. If you have any questions, just you know, shoot them a message and they'll get right back to you and, 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 and they'll uh, they ship things out pretty quickly or as quickly as they can get them into the country, which is fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, and no, they, sorry? I was just going to say, yeah, whenever I've ordered anything from their website, if, if it's showing that it doesn't, it's not in stock, they'll order it in. Or even if there's like problems where it's like something on the website's not letting you order it, I've just messaged them on Facebook directly and they've fixed it up within like an hour for me to be able to place the order. So they're real responsive and they're, um, they're great for the Australian Infinity community. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and especially I think because since COVID, there's not many places, unfortunately, in Melbourne at the moment that stock Infinity. Or have like a an up to date stock of Infinity anyway, so have been leaning pretty heavily on these guys, um, and that you know, and they are Infinity players, they are you know war gamers at heart, so it's always good to feed back to them. Um, yeah. So without further ado, we'll announce the first Loss of Lieutenant monthly challenge. We we may also have a quarterly challenge, but we haven't figured out what it's going to be yet. So at the moment, we're just going to stick with this monthly challenge. Um, so the format's going to be. Every month is going to be the same. Uh, we're going to announce the challenge. You go out and you try to do the challenge. Uh, write a battle report for for it. Uh, post some pictures. Uh, you know, give us your thoughts on on the on the challenge on on, on, on and anything you learned from it. Um, and then basically send it to us. Send it in an email to us. I'll give us your. I will give you our email address shortly. But the uh, the challenge for this month is uh, it's going to be called the sixteen inch challenge. Which is as 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 it sounds. Um, <laughs> Sixteen inches is your is your max. Um, so so your 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 max green band range band. Yes. Sixteen inches. Sixteen inches. So this is basically the um, uh, to plug another Infinity uh, Melbourne player. He no longer lives in Melbourne, but uh, Jono back at CanCon oh three years ago now. Went to Cancom with Hackerslam and didn't take anything better than rifle range bands in his list. And I think he came like I reckon top five. So, I think he might have come third. I can't remember, but he yeah. was right up there. So with that in mind, um, I've been like I've been wanting to run a challenge for a little while that kind of limits your heavy weapon choices. And then Julian and I were discussing it, and he was like, "Nah, nah, just make it the." You know the the rifle challenge and make sure nothing in your army has 
better range bands than a rifle. So I thought, okay, let's let's give it a go. Uh, so the the particulars of the challenge are uh, nothing in your army better than rifle range bands. So the caveat to that is if that profile has a secondary weapon, such as a Blitzen or a Panzerfaust or a Flash Pulse, you are still allowed to use that profile. You just cannot use those weapons. Um, profiles you cannot use are things which have like primary weapons such as HMGs, missile launchers, multi-snipers, Spitfires, Mark 12s, any of those, any of those um, weapons that have like, you know, that basically are good out past 16 inches. As you said, Nick, uh, green range bands out past 16 inches are a no. Um, so that's basically that's basically the challenge. Yeah. Um, so shot, shotguns, shotguns are okay. Shotguns SMGs are okay. Are okay. Yeah. Anything with the word rifle in it is okay. Except marksman. Um, except marksman rifles. Except marksman rifles. <laughs> and multi-sniper rifles. And <laughs> okay, so combi. Anything like combi, combi, combi rifles, breaker rifles, plasma rifles, rifles, plasma rifles, those sorts of rifles, they're okay. Yeah. Um, hacking. Hacking's absolutely fine. Hacking um, is fine. Uh, hacking what is about fine. Uh, pitchers? Pitchers are fine. They're um, pitchers. Pitchers are rifle range bands. No, are not. they? Yes, no, they are. Not. Yes, they are. Are they? Yes, they're good at the sixteen. Oh, well. Um, oh, well, then my bad. I thought they weren't. Now, okay. Now, one of the one of the one one of the curly ones I wasn't sure how to address um, are grenade launchers because they're zero from you know. They're, so grenade launchers are also out. So no grenade no grenade launchers either. Yeah. Really? Yeah. But that's not, they're not green over 16, they're just zeros. Mm. See, I'm of the opinion that green is good, zeros are neutral. Well, I'll let, I'll let that uh, fall into the hands of other players. One of the reasons why I wasn't going to allow grenade, grenade launchers is, as I was thinking about what I would like to run for this list, for this challenge, I was like, oh, I'll run Starco, because Emily has got grenade launchers and an X-Visor. And I thought, no, Kevin, don't be a jerk. So I say. So I said, nah, probably not. So I'm gonna say no, no to grenade launchers. Um, so uh, the reason for this challenge is not just to be, hey, here's a hard challenge, go try it. There is something behind this, which is to get players used to um, overcoming an obstacle that that doesn't apply. That doesn't mean just applying a burst five HMG to it. Um, this is a you know this is a challenge where if you um, you know not being able to leverage sniper rifles to defend yourself in the RO, not being able to use hidden missile launchers to surprise an opponent, um, not being you know, basically not being able to just to put put a chunky thing in a link and and run it at the enemy. Um, at, at, well, sorry, uh, in the in the, you know in those over twenty four inch range bands, we want you to think about ways to approach a problem. Um, that out with this kind of more direct action idea. So using things like infiltrators, AD, positioning, smoke, um, and also I think what I learned hacking, from, is hacking as well. Leaning leaning yeah, more into that. Leaning more into hacking because obviously one of the things that you will you will miss from this challenge are these sorts of high burst, high damage weapons like APHMGs, multi HMGs, missile launchers, those sorts of things that you might typically use to crack armor with, you know, so now you're left with something like hacking, uh, AP rifles, boarding shotguns, close, close combat, close combat. Um, try that out uh, is basically what we want you to, to do. It's not, we're not expecting it to be um, you're, you, that you're going to win these games, but we're expecting you to think about how to go about 
overcoming a problem yeah in a slightly so then, different way so for you to enter into this competition we want you to uh try it out build your army have a have a battle with someone um don't necessarily tell them beforehand that you're doing this just when you turn up for the game this is the army that you've got brought to the table is a, is a 16 inch challenge army um, so it's not like they have to be doing it as well. That kind of ruins the, the, the purpose of it. It's more that you're bringing your 16, 16-inch uh, challenge army to just a regular game and then see how it goes. Write it up as a battle report. Send it through in an email to us. Our email address is... Lieutenant at gmail.com. So all Some, one word, lieutenant at gmail.com. Um, some, somebody's uh, going to have to dust the cobwebs off of that email email there because I don't think it's ever been opened necessarily. No, I, I used to check it on the regular and all I would get is um, like ad ad Bitcoin, stuff. Buy, Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah you, know, you know, are you having trouble pleasing your partner? Those, <laughs> those sorts of uh, emails. So um, we, we, we would rather you send it to us in an email as opposed to posting it on our Facebook page or Messenger or Discord just because it's much easier to keep track of the entries they don't get lost yep. in the in the in the feed in the, in the feed yep. in the feed we, we we will find some way to compile all the entries to so they can be presented so everyone can have a look at them as well and read and find out how everybody else went with their challenge in the battles that they had um and then the way that we're going to be picking a winner is it are we going to like read through them and pick one or is it going to be random from uh, we'll, I think we'll just sort of see how many entries we get, perhaps. But I would like to, obviously, um, you know, definitely we'll be reading them all. And um, oh, of course, if effectively, you know, if you've put in the most effort, you've done pictures, you've done a battle report, a post game analysis, and, and and whatnot, then you know you're in a better shot from winning. If, if rather than if you just send in your army list and says I lost or I won. So, you know, get creative with it, guys. Get, you know, get interesting with it. Uh, try try some, you know, make it as an excuse to try some profiles. You know, maybe you've got that, um, you know, for example, in Hack Islam, you know, I'd almost always be taking the Spitfire Namur. And now I'm looking at the rifle like shotgun Namur going, okay, you know, this, this is, it's not going to, it's, it's better at close range. So maybe let's give it, let's give that one a try. Yeah. Um, well, in, in, in association with this as well, we're going to create a, um, another channel on our discord as well that'll be dedicated to the 16 inch challenge so if you want to just have a chat about it with some other people that are participating and see how how they went you can get involved on the discord as well that won't count towards entries towards the actual competition those need to be emailed through to us but just if you want to get involved on the discord there'll be the um we'll facilitate that as well for you yeah and, and and that channel will sort of change every month as we come up with new and exciting challenges to discuss and um i think and then yeah like, like i say the winner of this challenge Will uh, will win a uh, a blister of their choice from Toy Toy Soldier to, from the great people at Toy Soldier Imports, um, and that'll go in hat sort of along with our fiftieth episode. We'll hopefully you know talk about that during it, and um, we'll also have some other exciting things um, for the fiftieth episode, which I can't think what they're going to be right now. But rest assured, listeners, we will have something fun to talk about then. Maybe we'll all be on the cast for once. Perhaps who knows. So anyway, with that out of the way, um, do we want to get into... Well, we've got some events to, to, to yeah. promote, don't yeah. we, first? Yeah, we want to get into so, talking about some, some, some events, yeah. So this first one on the list here, Kev, I'm not sure if it really requires much uh, promotion because it is currently sold out. That's correct, yeah. So Cerberus Crisis on the 15th of May in Melbourne... Uh, Carlton is the suburb, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, it has sold out. It's, uh, it started off as 14 player cap, 
but it's now a 22 player event and I have run out of tables and table space for anybody else. So thanks everyone for um, uh, registering for that. It's going to be great. So 15th of May, uh, looking forward to that. Um, then we've also got uh, the week before that in Newcastle. Is it unlimited insertion? Gav's event? Uh, yeah, I believe it's in Maitland. Um, Maitland. It's just outside of Newcastle. Um, the unlimited insertion, which is uh, a t- uh, ITS, uh, what do they call them? Option? Extra. Uh, yeah, extra. extra. An, IT- yeah, an ITS extra, extra. where they've, uh, they allow you to do away with the uh, 15 uh, army slot cap. So you can... Uh, you we'll can see you what... Can, um... N four, uh, what N three would look like with N four rules. With N four rules and N four army. Um, mm. So yeah, things like taking um, how many? Like forty Galwegians. Uh, forty Galwegians. The whatever. Um, all the all the Islam. All the Dalami. Eight points. The Dalami. That's yeah. it. Take take a take as many of those as you want, um, and uh, just just go nuts. So I'm hoping I'm hoping someone pulls out the Galwegians for this one. I just want to see them on the board again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yes. So uh, if you're if you're up that way in Sydney or Newcastle or even Canberra, make the trek up there with uh, with every single model that you own and put it all into it. I'd into love to go. Army. I'd absolutely love to go to that event. The two things that are stopping me is um, travel restrictions, and um, I also have a birthday on that night. So, unfortunately, sorry, Gav. I would love to be there though, but I'm sure we'll hear all about it when he's next on the on the show. I'm actually really keen to to hear how it goes. So yeah, I think it'll be I think it'll be really interesting. I wonder how I wonder how many people will lean into that kind of meme list, and how many people will just sort of can keep will just kind of see if they can you know maybe only add a, like one or two extra troops to to mm. their normal fifteen order cap list. You know? And I think one of the things that Gab's kind of said on um, on one of the chats is that. Um, one of the reasons why he wanted to do this was because he wa- he does want to see like how much people lean into the unrestricted model count and even if the other restrictions that have been put in place and brought in through N4 result in these sort of meme lists not really actually being that effective anyway that, yeah. that maybe it, it, it is all just brought about brought itself back into it may have self-corrected anyway but um mm. it will be interesting to see how that, play, how that plays out yeah or, or, or like playing about the 15 mo- uh, models and the way n fours put together means that 15 models is actually the sweet spot anyway maybe yeah it, it might be and, and i think but i think though from i mean i don't know i guess this is anecdotal evidence but uh from what i've seen people seem to be not so much enjoying the 15 trooper cap but i think enjoying using some of the more specialized troops in the game tags and expensive hackers expensive heavy infantry you know people are kind of going fuck this you know this unit's good like you know i want to run this i don't want to run five you know i don't want to run eight morlocks i want to run like you know a crazy borax or, or whatever um, so yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I feel like I feel like if I were at that event, I would like to just run something for the lols. So it'd be interesting to see the breakdown of players and you know where they kind of sit on that um, fence. Um, cool. Um, then we've got uh, oh yeah, we've got an event in Geelong actually, which is in um, a suburb of Melbourne. Almost yeah. So um, Geelong they host an event down there called the um, 
the winter, winter wipeout, yeah. which is which is kind they kind of make it up like a little convention even. So they have events for all different uh, game games have all all different competitions there over over two days, um, and uh, this time there's going to be an infinity event there, which is great. Um, it is a two day event uh, with five rounds, and there is a player cap. I believe it's in the low twenties. I think it might be twenty two. I just seem to find that anywhere right now but um i'm sure it will most likely sell out considering that we got uh how many people are super keen to play infinity down here at the moment so um if you are keen to head down to geelong for a weekend and play some games then uh then check it out yeah i'm really excited to see that um i don't know if i'll make it to that event but I, we know that what well, there's at least half a dozen guys down in, in geelong that are um you know playing the game so um if this helps their community i'll be really excited to see that community down there grow and you know make more regular trips down there to to see them oh exactly yeah cool and then oh, oh fucking so many events so many events to, to announce it's just, or, it's to, just too many there's just too many there's too many cool things going on and then uh, i guess that was that's at the end of august bear, bear that in mind as well though uh, yeah, and then two weeks after that in september we have uh burn city brawl 2021 so um registrations are open for that it's a 60 dollar entry fee and it will remain that way until the end of june when it goes up to $65. So, you know, save your $5 dues now. Um, early bird. Early bird, early get special. in there. Uh, it's going to be a five-round, two-day event happening close to the city. Uh, we haven't quite locked the venue down yet, but we're very close to doing that. And, um, yeah, it'll be great. Uh, really looking forward to it. Hopefully by then we'll have more interstate interest. And, um, yeah, we'll be able to, you know, host another successful two-day event in Melbourne. Um, so all that stuff will be available, you know, to sign up to on our Facebook page and on our Discord page as well. Uh, and if you can't find the link, just give us a, sh- you know, just shoot any of us a message on Facebook or, or Discord or what have you. We'll yeah. happily uh, send you the registration forms for those. Yeah. I mean, just on like the fact that we're bringing back Burn City Brawl this year is just filled me with absolute joy because 2019, BCB kind of capped off 2019 and capped off N3 even in my opinion for, for us a lot um, really and then after after that that's when we started sort of hitting into what was the the two the, the 2000, and 2000 year of 2020 that everyone I'm sure would rather forget um, in terms of the the limitations on on particularly the, the hobby of ours um, but now the fact that we've sort of come out the other side of that here in particular in Australia and we're able to, to host this amazing event again is absolutely amazing so let's uh, let's really push that and get as many people here as possible to play some great games yeah really yeah definitely uh, looking forward to it immensely so um, without further ado do we well before we get into the main subject episode chat we do we um, CB did actually um, say give us a studio update this week so do we want to just briefly go over the news in there and uh pick out any interesting tidbits that you might have picked up yeah so there, i mean there's a few um models that we've we've had announced i mean one box there of the the shang which i'm particularly so pleased to see because like it's about freaking time since they uh they they brought those models out particularly how heavily the shang g uh plays a part in uh but yeah in the other in the other two using sectorials in the um Invincible Army and, and White Banner as well. I've been playing um, a little bit of Invincible Army. I'm trying to get used to them. I never leave home without the AP tack awareness 
Shangji nastiness. Mate, it appears in almost every single one of my white banner lists at the moment. So um, it's just too good. It's when when I when I create a white banner list, uh, it's uh, it's not it's not a uh, it's not a three hundred point list. It's a 200 and, uh, 250 something point list or two hundred and forty something point list because the the Shangji is already in there on the on number one profile. So. Yeah, um, that was what she said. I was like, I'm gonna say, I was surprised that they came out with a box of three Shangji. I was expecting that they're just gonna do what they've been doing with, with a lot of other profiles and just not release the HMG. We'll give you the hacker. We'll give you the Timbot. We'll give you the boarding shotgun and with the HMG. Nah, sorry. I'm actually, I am a little bit disappointed in in the sculpts though because the HMG profile, the sculpt of the HMG is almost a mirror, or it's a, almost like a copy of the old hmg sorry that person started singing again oh she's having a second shower oh my goodness so <laughs> like, just a bit of background on that we we kind of delayed out the, to starting the recording for like 10 or 15 minutes because someone in one of the apartments next to me is just singing in the shower at the top of their lungs and then they stopped and now they've seemed to have started again there you go um maybe she's having a bath Maybe who knows? Who knows? But you know, um, yeah. <laughs> so that yeah, that's what's happening there. In case you're wondering, um, but uh, like the 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 Shang-Gi. old Shangji with the HMG, um, sort of standing in the in the firing position, looking down the the barrel of the of the HMG. Um, um, yeah, it was a nice it was a nice sculpt, but like that's the one that they've for the HMG again. They've just copied the old sculpt. It's exactly the same pose. Whereas of the three poses, my absolute favorite one is the guy who's just got the combi rifle or multi rifle, just sort of standing, holding yeah. the gun up, pointing in the air. I'm like, if that was the HMG, then then that'd be like my absolute favorite. But I kind of agree. That's the model I want to use. Yeah, I kind of agree because because when I saw that those three renders and I heard people going, yes, finally, I was like, what what? Where's the HMG? Like I couldn't see the hmg at first i was like is that the hmg oh it must be the hmg oh it looks okay i guess like the heavy mm. rocket launcher is more dynamic you know the swords out H- you know heavy rocket launchers on the shoulder it looks cool but yeah the hmg i mean it's a render maybe they'll look better once they're once we see the models perhaps i mean it does it does look quite like i do like the firing position it does look quite chonky and aggressive but well we'll see yeah but the box right the box is those three models and a tin box Oh, is there a Timbot as well, is there? Yeah. Oh, okay. I did wonder where that might uh, show up. Well, I mean, the Tactical Awareness HMG does come with the Timbot as well. Um, yeah. So it makes sense for that to be that guy to be in there, I guess. Oh, right. Okay, um, gotcha. What I, I'm wondering if it's going to be the same Timbot that you would get with um, oh, the um, other the special character. Yeah. Um, um, the, one, the little one with the shield that looks like a miniature Zhu Yong, which is absolutely horrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, I hope it's. I hope it's not the same. I hope it's a new Tinbot. But I, I, admit, admittedly, I think she's Neg three and Thingo's Neg six. I could be wrong, and I'm just so okay. inst- instead of a instead of a chibi version of a um, Zhu Yong, it should be the chibi version of a Zhang Shi. Shang, sorry, Shang Shang Ji. Nah. Sorry, I lied. She's minus six as well. It'll be oh, the same. Okay. It'll be. Oh, I hope not. We'll see. Ah mm. uh, well, I, I've seen I, I've seen because they've done they've done like a tinbot thing with um, combined army uh, with like the Morats having tinbots and the 
Overdrawn having ten bots in there, they're the same ten bot. It's the same ten bot. Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, like it hasn't really been. It hasn't fully been announced. I mean, there wasn't a. They didn't show a render of a tin bot, so maybe it is just the old one. But we'll have to wait and see. Hmm. But hell, so, if, they, if, if, if they, I mean, if they want to make a tiny tin bot with tinny weeny fins on them and make it look like a, a Shang Chi, sure, that'd be cool. Um, so we obviously know that for you know, we, we've obviously seen the the checks along arms. Um, they've been out like or not out, but they've been announced for a while. I think they were announced back near the start of the year. So we have seen them, but they have now come out with a date of when they're going to be in. Or sorry, an update to Army. So the 14th of May, we can expect to see Chaxa Long Arms also be added to the following armies. So we can expect to see them in Bakunin, Sfal, White Company, and Starmada. So that was a bit of an unusual addition. Why do you think that is? Yeah, this one really took me by surprise. Like I was like, okay, so what is there something missing? Because to be honest, I never actually looked at the profiles of the Chaxa Long Arms until just before we started. Yeah. Until just before we started recording tonight, I still had not looked at the profile. Of yeah, I mean, because uh, like, they were they were released when Spiral Core came out, and I remember when Spiral Core came out, everyone was like, "Wow, look at this army! It's pretty cool. What the fuck is that Chaxa Long Arms?" That just what why what are these profiles why are they here they're just weird don't really fit anywhere and that's kind of how they've carried on into n4 a little bit um you know they've obviously gotten a bit of love now they've got models and the models are kick-ass so i wonder if them being added to these um sectorals is just so that because cb know that they're dog shit so maybe they add them to more sectorals <laughs> they'll um maybe be bought or used perhaps i, I don't know I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I like the models. The models I, look I think, great. The models are fantastic. Look, yeah. I think they look real cool. But yeah, looking at the actual profiles this evening, I'm like, like, what is this? What is this trying to achieve? Mm. Kind of thing. I mean, like they to me, I was surprised when I when I saw that they're S2 because they look so chunky that they that they should be bigger than that. But no, they're just size two, and they've only got one wound, and um, they just. To me, they're just going to fall over. I, I, I like. They, they from... don't even have the advantage in Spiral Core being able to go with the Tagma Schemas. Yeah, they can only, they can only go on a Harris. The, and get the Tricore ability. Yeah, yeah. The thing, like, I Tricore, I, I Tricore tri portable order cannon be nice, but. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're fine, I guess. I think what I do find interesting is that they are making their way into human factions, so. Um, from a point of view of um, lore, I'm quite interested to find out what that means. Like Bakunin, you can be like, "Oh, that makes kind of sense." Uh, like Pano, like what? Yeah, but what? I mean, White White Company are a um, mercenary. They're a mercenary. Well. Yeah, so that, 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 that kind of makes sense as well. Yeah, but um, Star Sp like Winter Force and yeah. Star Mata. Star yeah. is supposed to be like the space cops. Yeah. Um, and Winter Force is is fairly like regimented kind of straight up and down army for um yeah. as far as pano goes um so yeah for them to I'm not, I, I, it is sort of interesting to see how they fluff wise they fit into those I, yeah. I know i know i know it was a sort of uh, i suppose meme that someone posted on the um infinity crit uh crit posting but um it's kind of, it kind of seems like a a good reason for it it's a uh, it's like a um it's something. It's the Toha like offering, like supplies. Yeah, yeah uh, their services as an, act of good, as an act of good faith. But and for all the humans, they're like, sweet, we got this alien technology. And for the Toha, they're like, oh, 
what's the shittest thing we can give them that won't give them too much? Uh, checks are long arms. Give them that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think as, as you know, the, the combined army start to, you know, yeah, take over the more of the human sphere, the then, then humans and, and Toha have to kind of band together a bit more and be like, all right, well, we need to, com- you know, we need to work together on this. Um, Starmada being the kind of space cops sort of close-in boarding action style um, army that they are, um, you know, having access, you know, if they were to say get the Chax long arms, I'd be, uh, depending on how they form up, you know, if it's just AVA one unlinkable, then probably wouldn't see them. But you know, the they're they've got interesting profiles in the combi rifle Pulsar, the Mark twelve Pulsar with AP mines, like that could be quite an an interesting addition to like a link team, um, as a more of a defensive um option for them, but. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I think I think whether or not they're going to be taken is going to land solely on their link linkable yes. options and their so linkability. You got to imagine that they would offer links, but at the same time, I think you mentioned before, um, Nick, that you know you've got things like Krakot Renegades, which are great aliens, but they're never going to be linkable. So why would you make a you know a Chaxa linkable? And then what would you link it with that would make sense? Like you wouldn't see them linking with Fusiliers, for instance. I don't see them linking with them. Um, you know, blue coats or or um, maybe moderators, perhaps. Um, maybe maybe Kaplan. I don't know. It's it's hard. It's a weird one, but it's exciting. Um, so we've also got um, a new sculpt for Wild Bill, who looks oh, fucking that awesome. Is so nice. That bullpup rifle. Yeah. Oh, the bullpup style is just absolutely. It is. It is banging. the same pose, just with the contender, though, isn't it? As opposed to. Oh, the ITS the two pistols. Mm, you know, you might be on something there. I'm not sure. I haven't put them side by side, but they could be. Uh, I, I've, I've, uh, I've put my wild bill away. Uh, I've got one in a box. He's standing on some tactical gubbins, which you know could be a remote or some sort of tag. Um, yeah, no, I dig it. Really like it. Um, I've, act- I've actually been running the contender myself in Rama because um, I've found in Aero. Having access to AP double action um, with burst two in a core link at BS sixteen hitting on nineteens and hitting up to sixteen inches is pretty sweet. Um, damage fourteen as well. Um, it's nice, but then you've obviously you lose out on the uh, burst bonus and the active. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely be picking this guy up for my, for uh, for Rama. No, I've uh, just taken a quick look on that and the answer whether it's the same pose. I think they've because everything's digital now, they've grabbed the same file because um, he's still standing on the same gubbins, but the contender's like, he's leaning further back. So, I mean, you, usually when they bring out a, um, like the general release model of something that was previously special uh, limited edition, it is usually the same base model with different arms is what they generally do. Yeah. So if, if they've done that with Wild Bill, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, fair yeah, enough. I think I, I think, but I think the fact the fact that it is moved from having two pistols to then having uh, both of his arms holding this one uh, rifle or contender, um, it does make the pose look different enough that none of us picked up on it straight away. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Uh, we also have the Teutonic Knights are coming out in a box set with the Indigo Spec Ops Sniper, which I had to ask the community. What's the dude with the sniper? Why is he in there with the Teutonic Knights? WTF? Um, but it's cool. Like it's it's fine, right? It looks good. The box looks great. Um, if you like, if you're into that sort of thing. 
yeah, I don't really have much comment on those, to be honest. They're, no. They're fine. I mean, I feel like still, I don't feel like the different kinds of knights necessarily have that much of an aesthetic difference in terms of the models to be distinguishable from each other. I think um, it's more now than it used to be. Yep. Um, the Teutonic yeah. Knights have the armor, the way that, I don't know, I'm not like an expert on it, but... Uh, the angriest looking of the knights. Yeah, I guess now that you don't have the Magisters, right? So... I don't yeah. know. Look, I mean, it's it's nice to see, because uh, when we spoke about the um, military orders um, on our episodes, it's nice to see that, at the very least, they've brought out probably one of the you know, really standout profiles for military orders to bring out the models for them so quickly. That's a good point. Yeah, we're not waiting for the Shang-Chi box set type thing. They're, they're here. <laughs> it's been 84 years. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if, you, if you think about it, for all the Shang-Chi profiles we've been waiting since N1, I don't think there was ever a missile launcher. Oh, maybe maybe back in N1 there was like one, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. yeah. Uh, and then... The big... We've got a bit more info about Tag Raid. We do, yes. Tag Raid. The, um, which yes. is the next uh, Kickstarter that they're going to be running um, to, to to bring out a new game tag-centric, which, I mean, it looks looks pretty cool, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm not 100% sold on it as yet, whereas when Defiance was first announced, I'm like, yes, I'm all in on that. But Tag Raid, I'm a bit more standoffish at the moment, personally. Um but I mean, it looks it looks like it's shaping up pretty well. I mean, instead of being like faction and army based, it is more based around uh, mining corporations. And I mean, that's a big thing about Infinity is that there's these super corporations that that form your different nations, really, or are part of the different nations. And so, rather than something being Yujing, for example, like the thing that's that they've been uh, that's been teased here, this is the uh, this tag is from the, uh, the 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 U materials. Or UA materials, um, the uh, Tafang. Tafang, um, yeah. Gang Tai M1K1 model. Yeah, that's right. So it looks pretty cool. And like, I do like that they're going for this sort of industrial grunge, uh, grunge sort of rust um, oxidized uh, theme with the uh, with the game. Yeah. As opposed to everything Infinity, which can usually be pretty shiny, but this gives you a bit of a look at things when they are not as polished, I guess. I, I like it. Yeah, I like the yeah. I like, I like the drill. I'm looking at it and I'm thinking like Total Recall, and I'm like, screw you, Benny. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think I, mean, I, it's cool. I always really like the Mao Wang. The Mao Wang sort of has a very similar oh yeah, that's a good point. It does look like that. To him. Um, it's because like, I think that's because of the bars next to the near the. It, near it, the it, it is, and Mal Wang has like these, like the roll cage type thing. Yeah, mm. has have these other little sleek bits on it that make it look less, more military, less industrial. Yeah, um, but I, I think it like as far as whether we like it or not, or what it, it's too early. We know nothing about it. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to get a little bit more information, but I mean, this Kickstarter is not supposed to be launching until late this year. Um, so it's and nice it, to get it, a few little teasers, but like it's yeah. too early to really make your mind up about what it's going to be like. We don't really, we don't even understand any of the gameplay yet. We yeah. we did get a bit of information about like it's on a hex um, hex tiles, not like a hex grid like Infinity, not um, Aristea, not Aristea, not a hex grid like Aristea is, but more hexes that you can put together to make a map. I guess kind of like like 
like an ant's nest kind of tunnels bending around in different directions and things um, to build the map that you play on as it kind of takes place in this mining setting. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll wait and see what, what else comes out with that in the coming months. But, but I mean, one other thing they did mention as well, not necessarily about Tag Raid, but about um, just from CB in general, is that these studio updates, they are looking at, at um, bringing something out like that on a monthly basis, which means that moving forwards, we will be getting more little snippets of information and, and, and I guess those uh, those nice little videos that they put together where we get to have a look at all the, the beautifully painted um, studio models that they've got of the new releases coming out. So it is good to see that they're going to be bringing out more and more content like that because, um, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I always enjoy watching it. So. Yeah, I, I actually on, on that, um, something that they – it might have been in this studio update. It might have been in some pictures that were released before that, but they did come out with more angles of the other miniatures that they've already talked about in that studio update. Is that kind of what you were talking about as well, Nick? Like, um, there was a there was a couple of extra angles of the new Shona Carano model. Yeah, there was. Up until that point, we've only seen like the kind of front profile fucking look, which I didn't. I wasn't a big fan of, and now you can now there's a shot from the back, and there's another shot from another angle, and I'm like, oh okay, I still don't like it, but at least now I've seen more of the model, so I hopefully CB do that more, you know, like come out with more yeah. angles. And I mean, like if you look at some of the stuff that, say, for example, Games Workshop does on their website, where you can look at a model and they've done a like a 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, a rotational camera of it. So you can grab the model and move it around and see it from every single angle that you want. Um, I mean, I think they're a bit away from doing that type of thing, but yeah, to, to see these models from different angles and stuff before they're even released is, is, is great. Well, I don't know how far away that would be because, um, uh, Bostria had to do that for when he was doing the MO battle report. He had to, you know, because he has to load them into the Duda and then put them in the virtual world, kind of like table, basically like tabletop simulator. So he has to take like 50 photos of them anyway, just to get them into there. So, you know, I mean, that's probably a lot of work to do, like every new release, 50 photos. Here's a, you know, 360 rotation um, well, uh, yeah, thing. I mean, but Carlos, Carlos and I are practically on a first name basis. So I'll send him <laughs> a message and let him know that this is something to... Uh, this is something to... to, to to maybe, try out. Why not? Why not? <laughs> maybe consider um, if you've still got Flash Player working on your um, laptop. Uh, is there anything else we want to chat about before we uh, maybe head to a quick bumper before we get into the main meat of this show? No, I think that might about cover it. Huh? Yeah, I think that was about it. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a a quick break and then we'll be back very shortly. Perfect. Fuck. Okay, well, welcome back, <laughs> listeners, uh, to the second half of the show where we're going to get into uh, deployment strategies. So on the last episode, Julian and I recapped uh, PET, and we both felt that quite a lot of our conversation uh, revolved around uh, deployment. Uh, we you know, we talked a lot, a lot about the benefits of deploying second, um, examining the table, and, and whatnot. So we thought for this episode, it might be a good idea to go into a little bit more detail about what we what we mean when we talk about deployment strategy and just um, how important deployment is to the game of infinity like before you even like really rolled any dice bar your initiative um, you can lose a game on uh, on poor on poor deployment and you can also win a game on um, knowing how to put your pieces down to best execute your strategy so 
gentlemen, we're gonna we're basically gonna go through uh, deployment as if you and I, you know, we were playing a game and then mm-hmm. um, kind of break down each 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 segment of it. So um, we're I did I did a little like preamble in the in the notes, but I don't have to read that verbatim. Um, however, um, I guess it's happened to all of us, right? Where you know you rock up to a game, be it a tournament or a friendly, and you you look at the table and and you know you you figure out which mission you're playing and who you're playing against, and and that all starts going through your mind at first, right? You're like, oh, do I want to go first? Do I want to go second? Do I want to deploy? Which side's the better deployment for me? Which side's I, the better deployment think, for the opponent? There's lots of questions com- to uh, yeah. ask yourself. Come, come, coming into it before that point, you know what mission you're playing, right? Yeah. And, I, and because Infinity is so heavily focused on on the mission, because that's how you win games. Um, and just like straight up, some missions are better for going first. Some missions are better for going second. Um, some of them, and some of them, very few of them, though. It, it may not matter. Yeah, but most of the time, you can generally look at a mission and say, I know what I want the result to be here in terms of if I want to go first and if I want to go second. But then it's also coming down to your play style and the way that you've built your army. If you've built some sort of absolute beast alpha strike thing that's just going to try and wipe your opponent out in turn one and just destroy everything they're able to do, then even on the missions where uh, where you might, scoring-wise, might be scoring at the end of the game or end of the game round or something, um, you still might want to go first if that's the way that you play. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Infinity, like you said, it is is a uh, a game system that the mission I think is a primary is generally the primary um, consideration. Yes, consideration when 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 you're deciding how you're going to deploy. Um, because, like as you say, yeah, sure. Like if you're an aggressive player, you like playing aggressive lists. You like going for the alpha. Um, that's a consideration, but I think always the primary one should be can this um, list accomplish the mission. So you know, as an example, I, I played Ryan last week, and we were playing Mindwipe, and he sort of rocked up to the table with only three things that could actually destroy the consoles, and he was like, "Shit!" And I immediately knew. Well, as from as far as the missions goes, that's those. That's almost my primary concern. Like, if I can just kill the three things that he can use, then he can't win. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, building a list or, or, or having a strategy for the mission is, um, I think it's pretty much like the, you know, as, as a general yeah. rule of thumb, the, the, the primary um, concern, the primary thing you think of when you're, when you're planning a strategy. Yeah. And so, we're, but we're not talking about list building now. We've already no. built our lists. We're yes. at the table. We're starting to roll some dice. So you throw the dice down, you won your your initiative or you've not won the initiative role what's what's what happens what happens next well i was i was gonna say that, that, that if we go to full like tournament you're really serious about winning um and i know i know that Mate, that's, I mean, that's every game i've ever played <laughs> yeah yeah nick has no chill Infinity <laughs> isn't about fun it's about bragging rights um uh, is uh, if you're in a, if you're in a tournament situation because uh, you know the tables are announced before and all that sort of thing, it is worth your while sitting and staring at the table and just looking at lanes of fire from each sort of side and places where um, you think, oh, if I don't defend there, that's a place where I um, uh, like a, a, a 
drop troops can uh, land and all that sort of thing. Of course, if you're playing a casual game, like, you know, I go over to Kev's or something, we're building a table, uh, you know, that sort of thing's going to come uh, during deployment and I'm not going to care about it so much. But if you're going full sweaty, um, I think that's the very first thing you do in terms of deployment is take a look at the strengths and weaknesses and there generally is a strength and weakness to each side of the table. Yeah, I mean, you bring up an interesting point, though, as well, just talking about what happens even before the first round of a tournament when all the tables are set up there. Personally, one thing I do is I go around and just have a look at all the tables, Yeah, mostly because I just like looking at them. And sometimes mm. these tables just look absolutely fantastic and, and are so fabulous. But also, it is good to get an idea on what sort of lanes you're looking at. Um, I mean, obviously, you don't might necessarily know what table you're playing on to start with, but if it's a smaller tournament, you might get uh, there's a, there's more there's a chance that you might be playing on at least half of those tables that are there potentially. So um, yeah, so I guess on that um, point of like the first thing you know you've won like you say you've you've let's just say you've won the role right just for the sake of argument mm-hmm. you've won you've won the initiative role you've ruled higher than your opponent or you've ruled whatever you've crit whatever it is. Um, your the question that is that's posed to you is do you want the initiative or do you want to pick sites? And as we discussed, right, the mission may dictate, already have dictated what you're going to do in advance. Like, we're playing yeah. acquisition. You win the role, you're picking, you're generally going to pick sites, right? Because you want the opportunity to go second. Yeah. Yeah. So, for, if anyone is a bit beaten you, when we say pick sides, the person who gets to pick sides also gets to pick the, the uh, order, order in which you deploy. Yeah. Sorry, deployment order. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then the other person so, gets to pick the other thing. Yes, the turn. Yeah, so so there still is a chance. So th- th- that's sort of the the, the standard mind game of these uh, sorts of uh, things is uh, in uh, in missions where going second seems like the strongest option is often you don't say I want to go second. You can do that, um, but the problem with that is then your opponent says, "Well, you deploy first, and that means I get to I get to." try and optimize my alpha strike yeah so that's Um, whereas generally you say i'm going to deploy second and the other person doesn't want to have the disadvantage of going second deploying first yeah so that's something that trips up new players a lot and we'll just kind of briefly um like drill down on that to use a wank word that i hate using so sorry but um yeah it does trip up new players and trips up me from time to time as well i'm trying to explain it is yeah you're you're either choosing sides right which is the primary part of that there, there well, is, so, yeah there it's, it's so, sides and deployment order yeah or turn order turn order so deployment order and turn order are obviously not the same thing yeah. but they can be confused sometimes where people are like oh what am i doing so, so that yeah those, those are those are two options and um what people people will when they are talking about the game they'll talk about, oh, I went second, or I chose to go second. But what they're actually meaning is they didn't say they chose to go second unless they've done something big brain. They've actually chosen sides, which then kind of forces the other player to go first. Not always, but most of the time. Because the disadvantage of going second and deploying first for the, like... 99% 99% of the time is so overwhelming that you would almost never even consider doing it. 
and yeah. unless yeah unless like you say it's some sort of big brain plan that you're playing at yeah, because because what that means is that you'll put almost all of your models on the table before your opponent has put anything down then they get to counter whatever you've put on there but not only do they get to counter your deployment they also get to have the first turn where they can take full advantage of the counter that they've put in place yeah and so, so and so it means you either you either take a risk or you are forced to deploy super defensively which then can mean it's really hard to get out yeah yeah and and um, as you said like yeah you do deploy almost all of your models bar one um typically just one reserve you get unless you have strategos or you've spent command tokens to hold back an extra one so so uh, like the idea you can you can only use the command tokens if you're going first as well yeah so that's a that's a good point as well it's something that's sort of changed or been added for n4 is um let's just say you know you've won the roll off and you've said because of your strategy that you've got going into this mission you choose to go first you want to go first Right, and if you go first, when you announce that you go first, you can also you may also spend one of your command tokens to hold back a second reserve. Um, if you, and then the other player then, um, then decides to say, right, okay, well you deploy first, and I'll choose whichever side they think is best for them, and then when it come when when everything's deployed, then that second player gets to use command tokens to. Um, to strip you of two orders or to uh, put something in suppressive fire. But the, the I guess still going back to before you've even started deploying is what the word I just used, which was, which was um, strategy, strategy. So you're always looking for the strategy. So me personally, when I'm looking at a mission, I think you guys are the same. If you know that you're going into a certain mission, you'll know if you want to go first or second. Right, we won't we won't go into detail of, as to like which which mission you want to go first, which mission we want to go second. You just say, you know, this mission I want to go first. Um, you know, what is your strategy? Make sure you have that pretty decent idea of what you plan to do uh, in that mission. Whether it's like you know push buttons, claim quadrants, kill the enemy lieutenant, um, you know, I don't know, knock out their big piece, whatever it is. Have a strategy before you even get to the table because. Because, you know, rocking up to the table without a strategy and going, oh, I'm playing Toha. Okay, right. I need. I need to think about what I need to. It's gonna. It's gonna make your life difficult. You need to at least have a broad strategy in place that you can say, okay, turn one. I'm gonna say turn one. I'm gonna move up to the midfield. I'm gonna put things in suppressive fire. I'm gonna put some mines down. I'm gonna push a couple of buttons. You know, turn two. I'm going to, you know, advance, you know, I'm going to you know, consolidate my position and turn three, I'm going to like, you know, go for the throat, whatever it is you're going to do, have some kind of basic idea about what you're going to do, which should work against almost every enemy, with the exception, you know, and then, then when you do rock up to a table and oh shit, I'm playing an avatar, then you can still take that strategy and then adapt it to the opponent that you're playing or if the table you rock up to is a fucking weird table that's super dense or super light or has jungle terrain in it or something like that, then you can go, okay, well, my strategy will still work. I just now need to think about X, right? You're not suddenly going, oh my God, extra things to worry about. I need, you know, it'll still, it should still work, right? Mm. Um, 
So and, that... and we can say as, as, as a rule of thumb, uh, a rule of thumb, thumb. Any, a, a, any, any mission where you have to hold something uh, at the end of the round are the ones that generally you want to go second so you can dictate, hopefully, who's holding it at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. There are some universal right. truths, yeah. As a, yeah, as a, as a rule of thumb, something if, if, a, if something scores at the end of every round or at the end of the game, then yeah. going taking uh, not going first means that you are the last person to act, yeah. which means that you can put the things into place that you need to be put in place. You can be the guy that had three ninjas in hidden deployment and didn't reveal them until the final turn to push all three buttons at once or something like that. That type of play is possible. Yeah. And you get the advantage of probably one of the very... I probably would say this is the only... is something only the person who goes second can do is you can stop spending orders if you think you've done enough. Okay, yeah. 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 You get to dictate when the game ends because uh, as on your last turn, as soon as you've spent all your orders that's the end of the game yeah. Yeah. Or, oh it's so, not you, you can just declare it at the end of your get your turn that's what i that's what i mean as soon as you decide you're not spending any more orders. oh yeah sure sorry yeah, um, sorry, yeah. which which i've done which i've done before i've i've yeah. had games where it's, where you've where you might have you look at the position late mid mid turn three and you're like i'm winning it might not be a 10 zip but if i don't do anything else i will win this game if if I do some more things and put some of my models in danger that could die, that could swing things in the other direction. So yeah. this I've, is the I've end had, of the game. I've had ones where I could have like stripped a point off my opponent, but then risked the, my like control of the middle of the table. So I just went, nah, I'm done. Yeah, going second does seem to... Or not going second, but choosing deployment in the hope that you go second in some of these missions... Certainly, has certainly is the prevailing thought that it is this it is a stronger way because, like you say, it's all about the mission. And if you the only way you got if the only way you can score is by touching a box or t- touching a thing or push being a quadrant at the end of every round, then you are dictating, like you say, um, you you are kind of in control, which I think does outweigh the benefits of going first because going first allows you to because we all know, right? Infinity is. If you're an ARO, you're at a disadvantage, right? Mm. You know, you're generally one burst versus your opponent's four. Um, you're, uh, the active turn player gets to dictate the, um, the tempo of the game. The active turn player, the first turn player usually gets to dictate the angle of attack. So, you know, you can have all these things up for ARO going second, but if your opponent can slice that pie, then, you know, you've basically just wasted your orders. Um, but whereas if you go in second and you can just you know sit back and hide things and then and you know when your turn move up to the zones that you need to claim you know exactly where you need to be then that is quite a powerful position to be in in certain missions yeah i think it's interesting like in terms of when it comes to the choice of if you want to pick deployment or if you want to take first turn um probably in the first my first year and a half of playing infinity or first two years i would 90% 90% of the time want to lean in the direction of picking first turn. If I won the role, I would pick first turn. These days, um, I've kind of swung completely the other direction and my play style and the armies that I'm playing these days has kind of shifted in that direction as well in that I'd play, say at least 75% of the time if I win the initiative role, I'm now picking deployment instead of picking the first turn. Um, yeah. 
And I think maybe that sort of just goes to towards how I've matured as a player in that I am now um, sure. Like I used to be all about alpha strikes in that first turn um, knockout punch. So much so that, and I've talked about it before, I've had games where I've, it's happened to me at least three times where I've put my opponent into retreat before achieving any of the mission objectives yeah, and ended up with either a draw or a loss because of it, because my opponent has been able to then scrape a one zero win off of me because I just killed everything and yeah. didn't actually. And then they flat, then they did a forward observe as they were retreating to get the uh, object, this, their, their um, classified objective or something. And I've lost the game. Um, so that can happen as well. Um, I think the reason why I look more towards deployment these days is because I mean, a a lot of the missions you do play, scoring at the end of the round, scoring at the end of the at the end of the turn, scoring at the end of the game, you want to be able to move um, to, to dictate that final play and to be able to have that that I guess last laugh on, on what's going to happen there. Um, the other reason as well is that um, the way that I'm deploying these days um, kind of shelters myself from the uh, absolute murder rampage of a crazy alpha strike because I do mm. use such a null defense with deployables and camo and things like that and yeah. to, um, to force my opponent to, to use more orders than they might want to to inflict the damage that they're trying to inflict on turn one, um, which means that then my counterattack in my first turn, sometimes I won't have lost any models at all in the first turn, or maybe only one or two, meaning that I've still got loads of orders to, to throw into my first turn um, when they've started to move some of their models out of the initial bunker that they might have created to try and get to where I have bunkered up as well. I think, I wonder if that's, um, it's just as you're talking, you're making me think about when I first started playing Infinity as well, and I had the same same thought as you, where... I wanted to go first because I didn't want to be I didn't want to go second and then have all my stuff killed before I had a sure. chance to really do anything with it, right? Because because maybe because I was inexperienced about deployment and how to cover, you know, how to, you know, having overlapping fields of fire and, and, and things like that. I wanted to go first so I could put the pressure on, I could move into a position, I could let my Fide do some killing, you know, I could get stuck into the game. It was it was fun and, and, and I think there's something about going first as well where you kind of going first or deploying first, you kind of put your your models down and you're like, this is where I'm gonna go. You know, and and you're not looking across the board at an opponent who's already deployed, going, "Oh fuck, oh, oh I don't want to put things there." You kind of almost—it's sort of part of the tempo, right? If you deploy quite aggressively with things going first, um, you can you can almost knock. I used to think you can almost knock your opponent off balance by being like, "This is where I'm going. React to me." And I I had quite a lot of um, I felt quite good about that, but maybe because I'm more experienced now. I find that I do going first fills me with more anxiety these days because of what you said. People know how to deploy and can like neuter my AD. They can, you know, basically make my fide useless. So I'm more likely to go second. And I have like this wonderful breath of relief when my opponent's first turn is done and I've lost like two models. And I'm like, Fuck yeah! I'm, I'm, coming, I'm the same, like, <laughs> like, com coming into your first turn as the second player and yeah. having lost 
minimal amount of, of, of stuff and, and like having all your speed bumps do what you wanted them to do. Yeah, it's, it's like a good feeling. That's, that's the, that sort of takes the, the biggest weight off your shoulders. I'm like, okay, now I can um, engage the way that I want to kind of thing. Yeah, and I think um, before we move on to actually when we get down to deploying, something that I put way too much think, thought, thought into myself is if I have chosen sides, one of the hardest decisions I have to make is which side am I going to pick? Because so often I will pick a side that benefits me, but I will not think about the side that my opponent is on and what they might want to use that side for. So a classic example, and it's uh, is sides are supposed to well sides are generally supposed to be asymmetrical, right? They're supposed to be a stronger side and a weaker side. But my problem with that analysis is a strong side is not everybody else's strong side. Like if you're going to go from yeah. like the typical, what's a strong side? Is a strong side the the side with the building on it that has like a um, commanding view of the battlefield? And that's only mm. a strong side if you've got a link team with an aero piece in it. That's right. I mean, like what use is a table that's got like a deployment zone with three amazing sniper towers in it if you're doing the 16-inch challenge and you got nothing you can put up there? Right, exactly, exactly. yeah. And, and and I had that same problem when I played uh, against um, Trent from WA, right? I picked a side that, because I was going second, I picked a side that I could easily defend myself from. I picked a side that had a little bit more cover, a little bit more like harder to get to stuff because I knew he was going to probably come at me because I know he's an aggressive player. So I was like, I will pick this side because it's. I think I can defend it easier. What I didn't think about was in doing so, I gave Trent the side with the sniper tower and he had a Unidron link with a plasma sniper and a missile launcher, which then meant that, cool, his turn was done. He didn't do that much damage, but now I can't get out of my DZ. So... There's these sorts of interesting things to think about when you are picking sites in that, um, you know, like how, how do you guys, do you guys ever approach um, that? Like, do you just always think about where you're going to deploy or where you might deploy or where your HVT can go or your uh, how easy it is to access the buttons? Like, do you, like how much that goes into your thinking? Yeah, like when I pick it, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm looking at all, I'm taking into account all of those factors. Where's my HVT going to go? Where's their HV gun, HVT going to go? Um, in something like uh, decapitation where you want to try and kill the HVTs, I definitely want to have a side where I'm able to hide mine and it might be harder for my opponent to hide theirs. Mm -hmm. Something where you've got buttons to push um, which or, or, or objectives to hold that might be like spread along the center of the table, which one of these tables is going to give me the most amount or the most advantage in terms of places where I can get cover without overexposing myself to set yeah. up um, things like putting a repeater down near one of those or putting mm. some dude in suppressive fire so that it blocks off like a short fire lane, for example, something like that. I, I those are the out. things that I'm, that I'm looking at um, to consider which is the better table side. I, I don't necessarily care that much about what's in, happening in the deployment zone itself. I feel like it's more... Um, more looking at the directions and the angles of the table from one side versus the other side. Where are the mm. okay, which, which, where which one of these tables is going to make it? Which deploying on which side is going to make it easier for me to achieve the objectives? Because I mean, even on the even on a real, I've had I've had to deploy on really shitty, really sparse deployment zones before, but 
you can still castle up on those. You, you can still, um, generally, there's going to be enough there to hide most of your troops um, most of the time. Sometimes you can't be that lucky, but um, generally, I mean, a lot of the tables that we play on, it's, it's very rare to have one that's got a real, real, real shitty deployment zone. Generally, there's enough terrain in the deployment zones to hide everything that you want to have hidden. Um, the thing that I'm looking at is usually what's in between the deployment zone and the midfield. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's that's and that's something that I I come up I come unstuck on a few times, and I know unmasking is a great example of that where I've gone this tape this deployment zone's great. I like this deployment zone. Oh wait, all my HVTs are going to be in the open. Uh, or yeah, the, or the and I was all the approach to like the buttons on, from your side is like incredibly easy to, to defend. Yeah, um, yeah, it's the, like it's the classic like here's an eight inch high building and the button you need to push is on the other side of that building. So you don't yeah. want to be you don't want to be in on that side. You want to be on the side where you can have a clear run at that button where your opponent has to go around the building. Yeah, or just can't see, can't see you at all. Or like, can't, oh, like yeah, one, I can't see you at all, or yeah. There, or there's like one angle that you have to be concerned about, you know, that there might be, you know, some long-range thing there. But there's but, always, yeah, but, no, I, I, yeah. I can't think of the number of times that I've looked at a deployment zone and gone, well, two out of three of these buttons are really easy to approach from this side. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a good the one. Other sides, the other side's not, like, giving my opponent, you know, the one that has maybe, like, a little bit more, a couple more buildings to go in, or, um, you know, is a little bit easier to, like, you know, we've had plenty of tables where there's, like, a bit, like a building, uh, two buildings, one on each side connected by bridges, and maybe, uh, you know, that building starts outside of my 12 inches, but inside their 12 inches. But I'll give that to them for the sake of being able to run towards the objective, you know, unhindered. Yeah, that's a good one. The the one I quite often think about when I'm playing Shaz and Hackerslam is which deployment zone has a building that straddles the twelve inch line? Because yeah. because typically that building may be a good spot for my opponent's LT or my opponent's uh, aero piece, and if I can then counter deploy a fide or a speculo mine layer on that same rooftop, then I'm also like I'm measuring out that going. Yep, I could fit. I could fit that on there. They're probably thinking that too because they know I'm playing. They know they know the army I'm playing. But I will look at giving them that deployment zone, so that then I can take advantage of that little that gap. Um, and, yeah, and that's the other thing to to remember as well. When you're picking deployment zones, you are aware of how big your deployment zone is. You're aware of where the center point, when it's center line of the table is, you can measure out how far your um, forward deployment can go, how far your infiltrators can go, all of that stuff you are able to measure so you know what range band you're looking at to, to so you can't like pick a deployment zone and be like, oh no, I thought that building was going to be inside my deployment zone, but it's actually just out or something like that. Yeah, You can know that before you make that decision. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, I think we're all on the same page, but especially in Melbourne, I, I, I think we generally put a fair bit of effort into ensuring that if you do choose a side and go second, that it is fairly easily defensible, but also it's not a case of like, I've seen some deployment zones that are like this, where all the terrain is in the deployment zone, and then you walk outside the 12-inch line, and you're like, there's nothing until I get to the midfield, and that 
is also not uh, not ideal either. So like you said, and I don't think about this often enough, Nick, is looking outside your DZ and how you're going to get to the objectives and how you're going to how, what angle of attack you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna uh, come from? Because um, I know as an as a fan of AD, when I build a table, I always like to try and put things on the flanks to stop to um, you know to so that something can walk on without being shot to shit. However, of course, mm-hmm. the problem that means is you can't just like run a bike up a flank or run a tag up a flank because you've got this building in the way you've got to go around now. So there's always like all these things to consider um, when you're picking a side is. You know, angles of attack, angles to your objective, how easy it is to defend. Does it have? Is it, is it exposed to an AD trooper? Is it exposed to a an uh, an impersonator? Um, and yeah, all those things to consider. So we've uh, we've evaluated the table. We've uh, we've chosen first, or, or or we've chosen sides, whichever one one we've chosen. It's now time to deploy. So let's just say. So, how long do you generally take to deploy? Sometimes too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, um, I, I, I think a good rule of thumb for like a tournament sort of thing is like generally a two-hour game. I think the entire deployment, like the entire thing from the very first, you know, drawing your classified to probably starting a game, 15 minutes should really be what you aim for. Casual game, you know, take however long you want. Okay. Okay, so a two-hour game, you spent 15 minutes of those on deployment. That gives leaves you an hour 45, so divide that into three. What's that? like? 100, 100 minutes, um, about, uh, yeah, about, about half, a little half bit, an hour, little bit, half hour per turn, 15 minutes each per turn. Right, so you're not... So you're not um, but we all know that your second and third turn is going to take less time than your first turn and your deployment zone. And your deployment. So, giving yourself fifteen minutes, are you de- are you actually taking enough time to deploy, or are you just really good and know what you're doing? Because I don't know what I'm doing when I deploy. Sometimes I take as long I, to deploy I, as I do I've for never, the first turn. Yeah, I've I've never really timed myself on on how quickly it takes, how long it takes me to deploy. It's not something I've ever really um, considered. I I don't have an issue personally of slow play. I've always been a pretty quick player and maybe it's to my detriment in that I make decisions too quickly without thinking about all the options. But um something like yeah, I, I def I reckon um maybe ten minutes per player to do the full deployment is a long time. Ten okay. minutes each. Yeah. Um I don't think you I don't think you need that much time. I think you can get it done in fifteen total. Um but it's, I mean, it's another reason of scouting up the table in tournament settings before, um, before you actually get there. Just to just to be like, yeah. if I get this side, I'll do, I'll do I'll I'll put some things there, or if I get the other side, I'll put some things there. Just yeah, to speed so, up the game. Like, I, I I'm I not sure you. if I necessarily agree with that, Jacob, because simply because I don't have enough room in my brain to keep all that information. Same, same. If I, yeah. if, if I went if I went to a, a a 20 person tournament and there's 10 tables i'll have a look at all the tables and be like oh this is my table this is my table this is my table but then when i actually go to the play on the table unless it's a table i've played on before well i'm pretty much coming to a fresh because when i was looking at it earlier i wasn't necessarily looking at the yeah. nice angles i was looking at that amazing airbrush work i wasn't looking, <laughs> at, I wasn't looking at the um at which deployment's going to be best i was looking at how the table tells the story and how how amazingly it all comes together as as a, as a set piece um 
Well, so I guess here's a sweatier of, of, of the two of us. Who's the what? The, the sweatier. sweatier. Yeah, sweatier gamer. The 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 more whack gamer. Oh, when it all when okay. It, when, when oh, yeah. Right. Well, clearly it's you, Jacob. Then obviously, yeah. Um, because you've won a tournament. <laughs> I, I have. Thank you. I won your tournament. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I beat no. you to win a tournament. I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is it is important to point out that I've never won a tournament before. <laughs> I'm gonna get my my freaking N three medallion. Excuse you. Cool. I think I won a tournament. I can't remember. Anyway, um, uh, but I think um, you. It's a good point. I would love to examine go into a bit more in-depth analysis prior to a tournament or during but i just don't have enough time like i i get there i'm i'm, I'm sweaty i'm i'm forgetting things i'm dropping stuff i'm trying to eat a mac as you know while i'm listening to the to announce the rounds and i'm like what where am i again uh um but the timing thing so I want to bring I want to bring chess clocks back to Melbourne. Uh, we did them in N three. Well, casually. Well, when I say bring them back, I want to bring them to Melbourne because I did chess clocks for a little while. Very dapper, Jacob. You can't. See, you obviously can't see this in the cast, but he's wearing his medallion. It's very cute. Um, from an N three tournament winner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which means nothing now because we're no longer in N three. But um, uh, yeah, chess clocks. I think from a point of view of uh, even if you just use it for deployment. Home? For the whole game? Yeah, yeah, for the whole game. Yeah, I've done it. I did it with uh, Red a few times. I think I did it with John a couple of times. It's really good. It's a really great tool and like just helping you understand would, how long you take to deploy. Would you use it? Like, I can, I can definitely understand it being used as a tool when you're trying to uh, improve your game in terms of playing faster. Yeah, by having the clock right there, I wouldn't want to see it used in an actual tournament setting where you've got uh, points being considered based on how long you took to play. I, uh, okay, uh, I have mixed opinions on this. Um, yeah. Because, because... Because, um, I mean, obviously there's a time frame on the whole, the, time, the length of time the whole game can take, right? Yeah. But, and if you're, if, if you've got plenty of time left on your clock, but your opponent has used all of theirs... Then yeah, the reason the game's not ending is because of your opponent's fault. So should I suffer from that as well because I've not taken any of my time to play my turns? Yeah, so, the, there's there's a well, couple the, the, of there's... The, the, the point of the chess the chess clock is if your opponent runs out of time on their turn two, they just don't get their turn three. Yeah, but well, uh, we're not going to get into chess into the intricacies of chess clocks. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is because it helps you understand how long you take to deploy, right? I I think yeah. I take a long time to deploy, so I started using them a couple of years ago. Uh, I haven't used them since because it's kind of a taboo thing. Like, I don't want to like put people in a. I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. But I mean, they're literally there as a tool. Like nothing's going to happen if it goes to zero. It's just like a hey, look, you've taken more time. But um, yeah. where 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 it is handy, especially in a tournament environment, is um you know the TO might announce okay, round starts from one o'clock till two fifteen, right? That's your or sorry three three fifteen, right? That's two and a quarter hours. But let's just say you know you're back late from lunch. You don't actually get started till one fifteen. You're now running to the same time as everybody else, which means it's fifteen minutes less. So you could use a chess clock, which will actually give each player their allocated amount of time. The problem with that is if you, if you both start late, then you're both taking longer. You know what I mean? So there's a little bit of 
to and fro there, but as a as a tool, just use it to give yourself an idea of how long you're taking. Like I wouldn't, I would never um, uh, tell somebody you know dice down, but it is an idea they can at least you know if they play a five round tournament, a three round tournament, and every time their clock runs to zero, I'll still let them finish their game, providing we have time. Um, or at least, you know, but it'll give them an idea that they can go, okay, maybe we should just finish at turn two. Because you're yeah. constantly, because then also that takes the pressure off the TO, who's having yeah. to go, guys, you've got 10 minutes, guys, you've got five minutes. They've got that That's clock so- there. They know how much long, they, they know how much time they've got. If it goes to zero, both goes to zero, then they should probably have decided that they will only go to turn two rather than annoying everybody else. Because I'm, because I'm guilty of it, right? I can take a long time for my game sometimes. And I hate that feeling of, fuck, okay, we're going to have to, you know, speed up or, or stop because everyone else is ready for turn round three. So, um, sorry, that was a bit of a segue on, on chess clocks, but I think they're really useful for working out your deployment strategy. Next time next time you have, you don't have a game camp, we're using a chess clock. I've never used one before. So. Yeah, I've got a, an app on my phone. There's an app for that. Yeah, so, I, think, um, yeah. I, think, I think I used one with you once, Kev. Mm. Uh, I remember, I remember um, on our last Road to CanCon, um, uh, us the, the 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 lol crew, or at least some of us, were really concentrating on like let's see if how like let's make sure all our practice games are two time. Yeah. Um, and the thing the thing is, and I, I think we should finish it here. But if you got a good community, which we do in Australia, you're concerned about the time. Your opponent's concerned about the time. So there's no reason to be concerned about the time. It, like, I know in my head, I'm not, like, when I take it too long to make a decision, I'm not going, fuck, I'm taking long. This is embarrassing for me. I'm thinking, fuck, I want my opponent to have their turn. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I want them to have their turn. I want, if they have to take, if they want to take time to think about things, yeah. like, that's, that's part of it. But, I, yeah. I love sitting in ARI because I get to sit down and just re- like if I don't have an ARI, I'd be like, nah, I don't have any ARI. Great. Yeah. So that was about how long it should take to deploy. I don't know. I take longer probably than most people, but I think I find myself taking longer if I deploy second because I feel like I have more to consider. I, I think I think the, the I guess the crux of that what that whole discussion we just had is that the amount of time that it takes you to deploy is something to be conscious of. Yes. And that the time you're spent deploying is game time. In, in, a, in, a, in a tournament, in rounds that have a set amount of time, um, the amount of time you spend deploying is time that's taken away from the game. And it's, but and, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you go. Well, it's also the first of four rounds in many ways, or four turns, right? Deploy, Ooh, deployment. Turn, turn zero. Turn zero, uh-huh. right? Because if you, if you screw up your deployment, then you might you might not get turn three because you'll be tabled. So it's worth it's, like ever- it's worth doing right and not rushing because you think it's not important. Like you have to have a strat, and that's what feeds back to the strategy. If you don't have a strategy for your game, then you don't know how to deploy, and you're 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 gonna you're gonna be like oh ooh, 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 uh, you know, and then you're gonna waste time. So have an idea of where your models are gonna go. You know where your corner guard is gonna go. Where's your attack piece gonna go? Where's your LT gonna go, you know. Get, you should have all that kind of wrapped up in your head. Yeah. But, but and when you say where they're gonna go, not necessarily where they're gonna go on that specific table, but what is the environment that you want that unit to exist in? 
Like yeah. you want you, you want to have your I want to put my my lieutenant somewhere where he's not going to be easily accessible by my enemies. I want to have my forward deployed infiltrators um, in a nice little spot on top of a building somewhere. I want to have my link team castled up on 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 a flank, and I want to have another attack piece on the other flank. That kind of general idea on what you want your deployment zone to look at, and then just look like sorry, and then just adjust that depending on what your Deployment zone. Yeah. There, will, there will always be a place to hide your lieutenant. There will, you know, there generally always be a place to, you know, put your, you know, your long range arrow. Yeah. So, so we'll, let's just let's just break it down. So, like things you consider when you're if you're deploying if you're going first, right? If you're, if you're deploying first, assuming you're going first, right? Again, we're not talking about big brain, even though in the last episode I did that for like three games. But um, let's just keep it simple. Uh, so, if you're going first, you're deploying first things to consider deploying first, right? So one of the first one of the things I think about all the time when I go first is I'm going first, but everything should start prone because it doesn't cost you anything to stand things up. Right? That's because, a good point. Because if you're going first, you're you're deploying blindly. You don't know where your point's yeah. gonna go. You may not and have you don't you don't, yeah. don't want to have to spend orders to get put something prone when you could be spending those orders on something else. And you could have just had that thing prone to start with for free. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember especially when I was new. There was a couple of times where I was like, I wish that piece had started prone. Yeah, exactly. Um, and 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 the reason why we're saying that, listeners, is because you know you deploy your eight your your linked HMG looking at everything, and then your opponent deploys a linked missile launcher looking directly at it. That HMG now cannot move until you've gotten rid of or. Obs, obs, obfuscated <laughs> big word uh, that line of fire so if you deploy, deploy him prone and out of line of fire then now that uh, there's no threat there you can move it to somewhere else if your opponent de- counter deploys something scary um, and like I say it doesn't cost you anything to, 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 to stand up especially now in N4 where you can cancel it before jumping, before climbing before doing a lot of things whereas in N3 it was kind of annoying you, you, you had to yeah, Do there was more things. restrictions around coming in and out of prone state in N three than there is in N four. It's much more fluid now, yeah. um, which is which is great. Um, but it also means that there's no reason not to keep that guy prone because you can you can just do your super burpee and jump from prone. Yeah, so there's lots of things you can do there. Um, what else would we consider if we were going first? I I, I think one thing that I uh, tend to consider um, is how I like my the. My pathing. I always, I always think of it as pathing. Is how am I going to move my models? I, when I go first, it's more, I suppose, towards the objective. But also, like, like let's say, let's say, for instance, I see a sniper tower, All right? And I, oh, like, I remember one game I had where there's in the middle of my opponent's deployment zone was just this big fuck off like building. Uh, it was like. It was it was just this big square building where you could fit easily a fire team completely spread out from the missile launchers on us. That how that's how big it was. And so my first thought was, my opponent probably going to have he, he was a Pano player, so he's going to have something there. It's going to be a half decent shot, right, at the very least, if not a very decent shot. How do, how do I deploy so that I don't have to spend so that I don't have to spend extraneous orders? Getting rid of that asshole that ends up on that. Okay. Um, yeah. So predicting. So predicting. Trying to predict what your opponent might do 
um, how he might counterpoint yeah. you, and put and put things in because because yeah. you're going first, right? It goes back to I guess being prone because you're going first. You get you get to dictate stuff, so you don't have to have things in the obvious position because you can spend an order and move them to that to that position, or mm. or move them move them away from that position if you after deploying you've gone oh actually that's not a great position I'll it's, move them away. So you it's can just about. I suppose it's just thinking that, like, thinking about how your turn wants to go. I guess, I mean, look, to to get some. So I mean, I, I've, I've, I've got some more specifics if you want to if you want to talk about like actual things that we do specifically do on on our turn for deployment consideration. One of the things yeah. I definitely look at is where my impetuous models are going to go, mm. but not just where I'm deploying my impetuous models, but if in my first turn I choose to take that impetuous activation. Where is that going to put it? Is, yeah, exactly. my, is my impetuous model going to just run from where he is behind this crate straight out into the open and potentially be shot to pieces by a missile launcher, which is then going to clip the other model, my engineer that was standing behind him, and the and the and the the the, the remote that was standing next to that as well. So I've just inadvertently got myself hit with three three models hit with a missile launcher or am i going to put him in a different location which means i can still activate him if i like if it's a warband that's got smoke i can then still get the smoke off without him necessarily having to run out into the open so having them in a in a position that might be a little bit further back than right up the front of the deployment zone so that they can still activate and do something with their first impetuous and still be relatively out of harm's way that's one thing, one yep. consideration I always take. You'll, you'll see that a lot um, if you ever end up taking any bike. Any bike, you have to really think, where is that going to end up if I want to take his impetuous order? Yeah, but I'm just, okay, um, just trying to keep things general, though. So we're just talking about, like, if you're deploying, for, I mean, it's a good point. It is a good point. If yeah. you're going first, right, then if you've got war bands or if you've got um, narrow gaps where you need to move out from, you need to consider. If I pass through this 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 alleyway, and this per my opponent may have a missile launcher or some sort of blast weapon, then I need to be aware that I don't want to put like flashball spots or corner guards or whatever in that same path. Right? I need to mm -hmm. make sure things are spaced out enough. So maybe I need to think about another path. So these are things to consider when you're going first, right? These yeah. uh, other things to consider are you know if there's buttons, right? So you're like, okay, well I've got you know you need to consider. Things like you're infiltrating, you're infiltrating specialists. You know, like you're you're the first person to put things on the boards, so your opponent's going to see that and counter it. So, are you putting your infiltrators in a position where they can easily get to a button, push it, push it on the first order, or are you, you know, putting them, placing them more conservatively to see what your opponent does? Something that I find is a like a, I wouldn't say a tip, but something to really consider is by deploying first. Especially with camel markers, if you deploy a camel marker on a rooftop where a button is, your opponent now has to think very carefully about what they're going to do with their camel markers. Especially if they've got mine layer, because the rule is they can't deploy a mine within within detonation range of your camel marker. So if you dom if you litter the midfield with your own camel markers, that then limits your opponent's ability to do the same to you. Can I use tech plays? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. How 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 something like Tac plays, how something like Shaz plays, even and Hack Islam, how they can put mines in the midfield that then push your opponent back out of that zone of effect, so they can't 
um, def- you know, easily stop you from pushing those buttons. Um, it's something that I consider when I go first, especially even, um, I guess, a more of a strange example is, like you mentioned, right, if there's a building that I know that my opponent's probably going to deploy something in, then I'll chuck my speculo mine layer in that building and be like, you still want to deploy in that building? Because something that opponents do quite often is they know I'm taking a speculo mine layer, so they'll put something with mine layer in their DZ, so then now they've got a kind of 8-inch bubble of protection against my speculo. But if I put it down first, and then oh, rather and, than as your reserve, yeah. uh, rather than as my reserve, yeah. then they now have to be like, oh well, I, I can't put my mine in within eight inches. Well, they would, not within eight inches, within um, was detonation. detonation range, whatever you gotta call it, of the mine I've just put down. So that's a bit more of a um, like fancy thing to do, but these are things I can I consider. Yeah, Kev, Kev, Kev's out here playing four-dimensional chess. Four-dimensional chess. <laughs> but I, I guess, I guess, going back to being more general, right? Um, you know, I guess, I guess, like you've got the mission, right? So that's the that's the still the primary thing. If you're going first, are you going first for the mission? You're going. You should be going first because of because of the mission, right? Or you've lost the initiative role and you've been you've had to pick I mean, first. I there, there are there are some cases where you can argue an army is so tilted towards a turn that you would. Yeah, that, that's but, true. Yeah. But you're you're but, deploy, um, you're you're deploying so you can maybe get access to the buttons. You're deploying so that you can get you know the best access to your opponent's DZ if that's where you're going to head. Um, and then you're thinking about where you're going to put your arrow pieces if you've got them. Or in in, uh, in in some missions that you mentioned, the buttons you, you're going first, um, so that you can get rid of an objective, so your opponent can't touch it. Yep, yep. You're, yep Armory, you're Armory had a, Armory had a couple of those. I mean, when you when you uh, and every list has uh, an attack piece. It doesn't really matter what faction you play. Everyone has an attack piece. One thing that I, I think is unique to going first is the fact that if you've got a building. Let's say you've got 12 inches, you've got a 12 inch zone, um, and you've got a building that, you know, gives enough cover that you know your opponent really can't see, um, your, like, fast mobile, uh, you know, you know, let's just say Achilles, for example, just so everyone can sort of visualize the sort of attack piece I'm talking about. You don't have to put him in cover. If you, if you can make him in, like, if you can obscure him so no one can see him and you know you're going to end up moving him, he's going to be in cover the first time you give him an order anyway. Okay, yeah, okay. So, so unlike unlike when you're going second, if you're going second, you're probably going to have every single person in some sort of cover. Hmm. Going first, there are times where I'm like, well, I know I'm going to move this piece. I don't have to put them... I, can, yeah, I want yeah, them okay, to be up yeah, to 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, um, I get you. Yeah. don't have to be touching cover because... I can hide them. They won't be shot at. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, it's a risk that they won't be shot at, I suppose. You know, that, that's a, a decision you make depending on your opponent. Um, but I know I'm going to move them. They're going to get that cover the first turn. So I get the advantage of being on that 12-point line or on that 16-inch or 20-inch line. Okay, yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, going first. I think going first... We'll get into going second now because I think there's more to consider there. But I think going mm. first, I feel like there can be a tendency to f- feel like there is. That's why I find generally when I'm deploying first, 
I'm a little bit less concerned. Oh, this guy can't quite get the cover. It doesn't matter. He's out of line of fire and he'll get there on his first order, like you've said. Um, I think where, where people fall down, though, in going first is they don't think about what happens when they pass turn over to their opponent. So they yeah. don't have their cheerleaders looking behind them for AD. Yeah. They don't have, you know, they've got them facing the wrong, you know, because they've gone, oh, well, I'll get These are good general rules of, like, when you're deploying and you have your, you know, 10-point model or whatever, they can still throw a shot at an AD guy. So if they're not going to be integral to your plan of looking forwards, have them look backwards. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. If you're going first, um, you are not going to get the opportunity to move all of your models because that's not how Infinity plays. Like, you can put an order into every one of your guys, to move them once, uh, but that's not how that's not great um, uh, strategy yeah, because a lot of the time you are investing in units which will sit in your DZ and protect you from attack. So you have yeah. to make sure that they are covering those corners, covering those places where AD can come in from, covering the areas where where an alpha strike might originate from. Um, uh, I can't tell you the amount of times I played a game where I've gone, oh. Uh, okay, I'll put this guy here, and I'll remember to spend one order on him so that he can get to a position where he can be a bit more useful. Because I put him in a, you know, because because the DZ or whatever, he's not in a great position. And then I've gone and spent that order on something else, and gone, ah, oh, fuck, this guy's just sitting with his dick in, in his hand. Um, he's not in a good spot. So yeah. that's something to facing consider. All, all all guns facing forwards. Yeah, that's um. And it's it's not, such a not the, not the smartest deployment move. Um, when when you if it's the first few times you encounter uh, AD, you're gonna start then deploying everything facing backwards. You want to look at all those angles that a drop troop is gonna come in from, because um, that that stuff happens and they all wreck your day. They will. They still they still do to this day. Um, <laughs> so I mean that's mostly why. I would, you know, think about going going first. Oh, I guess command token usage is, is do any does anybody here hold back a second reserve? Is it common? I did, I did. I did. I don't think it's common. I did it once when I had when I was playing a like a experimental steel phalanx uh, army with Achilles and Atlanta. Um, and I I think what I want to do is when we talk about reserves, I'll get into why you want you might want okay. to do. Okay. Yeah. That. Yeah. No, we'll talk about reserves in a bit because I think reserves yeah. is a good. Good topic that we can go into a little bit of detail. It's an important on. topic. Yeah. Um, so going second, uh, you're deploying. Sorry, deploying second. Um, the considerations are pretty similar to the first in many ways, except that you know that you have to spend a whole fifteen orders or more of your opponent, um, you know, reacting to them. So yeah. you have to, cons- you have to consider well, yourself a blood cult. You have to decide who you're going to sacrifice. Nick. Well, I mean, obviously, your 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 opponent has deployed all but either one or two of their models, right? So generally, when you're looking at their deployment, you can get an idea of what attack vectors they're going to come at you in. So then you can see where you need to put your speed bumps to slow them down. Where are you going to put your mines? Where are you going to put your camo troopers that that they might want to spend orders on to try and discover and things like that? Things that you can put in place to stop them from getting to your nice juicy models that are going to fall apart or the ones that you want to use your attack pieces with, um, things things like that is what is what you need to be considering. Um, like 
it, I think it's very rare that any any army is going to be able to deploy and you can't determine what direction the attack's going to come from at all. Mm. Um, unless it's something that's like super camo heavy or I mean even even if they haven't even if they haven't put their attack pieces down if they've got them both in reserve then based on what they have put down there's going to be a gap somewhere because there's only so much room in the deployment zone there that your opponent's already thinking where they're going to put those reserves down and there's got to be a gap somewhere for them to put them i really like that point nick and that was something that i was wanting to raise with with going first but i think it sits better in going second is that there is only so much space in the deployment zone you've got 15 troopers so there is only so many spaces that you can put them down safely uh, without, you know, bunching them all up 40k style. Um, and when you're deploying, uh, or when you're, you're, you're counter-deploying, like you said, like, yeah, oh, the, oh, I don't see their attack pieces. Well, where's their, um, where's their doctor? Where's their slave drone? Where's their engineer? You know? Like where, where are the things where, that they're going to need to support those attack pieces? Yeah, yeah. Where's their datarazi? You know, like yeah. where, where's their smoke throwers? Because that's where that intruder or that crontid's going to come because it's going to be near those guys. So set up you, to do to, to counter that. Or you look at the table and you say, you know, where's that? Where's the straight shot that's you know next to impossible to defend from my my, my side of the table? Where's the exit to that? Because eventually you have to spit the um, unit out into your lines of fire. Yeah, yeah. And right, that's de- where the attack piece has to come from. And and there's always going to be a, an element of... Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I like, you know, people will try to, maybe, may try to put an element of surprise into their deployment, into their lists. Uh, you know, classic, obviously, is the Nocturne for missile launcher. I can't tell you how often that thing hits. It doesn't hit very often. But the other thing I... Com- I often hear about with battle reports is somebody has somebody will will be doing a post story analysis and they'll be like that's where the noctifer is going to be deployed because it's so fucking obvious where those things are going to be that you you might as well have just deployed them on the table so look to your point uh, Nick it's like oh yeah I've, I've held back my tag in reserve I'm like yeah but it's gonna go there right it's gonna go on that flank because that's the only good place for it. So why don't you just yeah, deploy that's, it? That's the that's the only flank that's got a a clear line where your tag is going to be able to approach and still remain in total cover the whole way. That's yeah. the only flank that's that's got um that's not fully exposed or, or something like that. That's that's the the obvious best spot for that model to go. And and that some sometimes like is the is the mind games and what I like I like to I like to do think about like talk about sometimes is bait. So like my speculos I sometimes put out not as reserve. But as bait, if I'm going first, because I want to see how my play, how my opponent reacts to this thing being in their DZ on turn one. So, like, do you ever um, deploy something that's quite valuable? Like, you might res- you might normally deploy it as a reserve, but you're actually going to deploy it first in the hope that your opponent counters it. And this, and if you are the second player and you see, I don't know, a tag go down, how much of your battle plan changes based on that's your opponent's deployment. Yeah, I mean, I think putting the tag out as in your when you're deploying, not keeping it in reserve, and putting it out there and sort of 
putting your showing your hand, so to speak, to say that this is what I'm playing, this is what you're going to have to deal with. Yeah, your opponent's going to look at that and have a, a, a like an oh shit moment because they now know that they have to deploy somehow to counter that. But like putting that down as 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 quote unquote bait, where your opponent is now deploying to counter the tag, but then your actual at- turn one attack does not come from the tag. It comes from the uh, the infiltrating camo models that your mo- your opponent was completely ignoring. Or it comes yep. from the drop troop that, that comes in that your opponent hadn't even considered because they were thinking so much about that big 100-point model that you just threw down onto the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. That there's a, I think there's a bit of... Um, definitely a bit of that going on. Even, even if you're not talking about big-point models, like monks... Tigers are great bait models because an opponent, like, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've been screwed over by a fucking Kuang Shi. So, like, you know, it's like, where's the Kuang Shi at? Like, what's their path? Where can I put my ARO piece? And a lot of times I've just gone, and and especially in N4, your opponent's just like, well, I'm just not going to spend my impetuous orders, which is good on one hand because you force them to keep their warbands back. But then you wonder how much of your deployment has just been dictated by where your opponent put their warbands, like put those Quangshi or those Tigers or those Datarazi, because you might they might not do anything. But you're worried that if you give them the opportunity to run up your flank, then you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, and and I mean those those cheap models as well. They're the sorts of things that if they if left unchecked, they can do a lot of damage. Yeah, um, for sure. But, I mean, they are not difficult to check. But they've still got to be checked. They, yeah, they've got to be checked, and I think that goes. I guess we can talk about uh, without skipping ahead too much. But the you mentioned the null deployment. So if you're going second, Nick, your opponent's mm-hmm. deployed a tag, you know, just like balls out, and then you've gone, "Who? Well, my plan was to do a null defense. Do you still null deploy that well, tag, or or what do you do?" These days, I take. Um, I'm taking a lot of units that have the ability to put midfield repeaters down mm. with a decent hacking presence in my force. Um, one thing that your opponent is going to spend orders on to avoid is a repeater network. Yeah. So having having that in there and being able to put that down. Another thing that I've that I've learned with my deployment of the repeaters specifically is that um, yeah, they're great to have on the table. But your opponent, if they can see them, can still just shoot the repeater. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, so if you can put them up a little bit higher up rather than just on the ground level, that's always that's always advantageous as well um, to, con- to consider. That's what I, I I think a prime like a prime deci- like consideration for second turn for someone who's ta- taking this second turn is you want your turns to. Um, you want your your especially that like that that very first like uh like game round. You want your deployment to as much as possible, and this sort of goes to the hacker network. Um, waste your opponent's time. Yeah, waste and, their well, turn. You're not, and they, you're not wasting their time. You're wasting their resources, which yeah, is their well, they're, audit, they're right? audits. And so, and like, shooting a repeater is one of those things. A, a, a repeater is nice to get rid of, but it can. I mean, depending on how unlucky they get, it can take two orders to get rid of the damn thing. Yeah, but not and not. I mean, not just the orders you're spending in shooting, but the orders you're spending to maneuver 
around its eight inch hacking radius yeah, exactly. to be able to get in range of being able to shoot it. Yeah, but you're not putting a deploy. You're not putting a repeater down just for it to be shot. Like you know, you've got a plan no. for it as well. Of course, no. but I mean, it is a it's a speed bump. So if it gets yeah. shot, it's not the end of the world because your opponent has had to spend orders to shoot that repeater. Which if they're shooting a repeater, they're not shooting anything on my table that's generating orders. Especially it, like- well, well, I mean, I mean, unless that repeater is attached to a Moran, in which case that thing can go get fucked. Like that thing is dying <laughs> on turn one. Um, I mean, like- when I when I talk about a null defense, the other the other kind of aspects that I'm looking at generally, what my null defense looks like is I have a, a five man link team which will have a heavy hitter in it with a couple of hackers in all the team as well. Sometimes I'm standing my HMG up and then because he's like, I'll take a two wound HMG with uh, decent armor in cover. Yes. He's going to get shot at more often than not. He'll only take one wound and not two straight off the bat. And so then I just found my guts roll and go pro. Yeah. Um, whereas my ability to still react with bullets to my opponent shooting at me, I can get lucky. Um, particularly when you're in the five-man link with those extra burst bonuses and extra uh, ballistic skill bonuses, right? That it, it is difficult for anyone to still engage that piece. It's not impossible, but it's something that people will always try and do and spend orders on. If they don't kill it outright, then for me, that's a win. Yeah. And, um, and, yeah. And if you're armor five in cover and, you know, let's say you, you, of your two dice, you managed to cancel one of theirs so they maybe have one hit um, and you've got a high enough armor, then, again, it's a it's another case of that's an order that potentially they exactly. put in to get rid of you, rid um, of your thing that just doesn't do anything. Putting, putting repeaters to generate a hacking network down the main lines of approach for heavy hackable pieces. Even things that aren't hackable can still be spotlit, and that being spotlit in N3, sorry, in N4, it can can be really impactful on, well, on the turn. Because it's, like being in a, it's like being in a five-man link. You're adding plus yeah, three to your base. Extra plus three. Extra yeah. plus three. It's, it's massive. It's, 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 it's such amazing. a fucking the, difference. And O12, and I know we're not trying to get uh, uh, fashion specifics, specific, but Pacifics. this Cirrus team, that Cirrus bot has a repeater on it. And it's much better it in N4 forward, than it is in N3 because it can go pro. Yeah, and it has forward deployment. Yeah. So th- yeah. Th- that's a, you know, a, a roaming repeater. So, and just to, just to mention the Moran, same thing with any sort of crazy koala uh, or the, uh, what are they yeah, called? So, 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 I'm so wanting going... to deploy in a way where my opponent okay. has to spend as many orders as possible to inflict as least damage. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like an N4, and this may just be my opinion, but I feel like an N4, there is a propensity for less hard arrows in uh, if you're going second. The they're certainly I'm not saying they're they're non-existent. Like you know, there are still some great arrow pieces out there. You know, the Kamau, the Mobile Brigada missile launcher, Riot Girl missile launcher. There's lots of really good ones, right? But I do feel as though going second. Uh, or deploying second and having a, a null defense or a semi-null defense in that maybe you've got something that's standing up just to deter a warband coming at you but isn't really doing anything else um, is is kind of where I've seen a lot of players go going second because it and it does seem to be maybe with because there's 15 trooper cap less ordered or something like that where there is just there's just no point going for the alpha 
um, there's less less not no point, but there's less um, incentive to go for the alpha these days, which I think goes back to how the power of going second, which is then why I've heard so many more people talk about deploying first and going second because going second still feels like it's superior. There's like way more stuff that we've discussed tonight on going second than there's on what we're discussing going first, and I think that's telling of the game yeah, state. And I, I, and I think another thing is um, going second that sort of added to the power of it um, is uh, the changes to dodge. Is it okay. allows it, it can, well it can allow a person going second to start getting their pieces, some pieces into position. Uh, during your turn, yep. Right, just by just by dodging, because there's no more change face. So if you walk underneath a model and they get the dodge, you can get you know up to four inches uh, of movement if they're the right model. Yeah, um, for sure. And the the other thing I think we sort of missed on uh, point second is sometimes you have to consider what pieces you can do without. Uh, what do you what mean? Like, what pieces are you willing to potentially sacrifice in the ARO? So, like, the okay, flash yep. pulse, like a classic example of a flash pulse really just there to be annoying for the most part. And, and to give you a cheap order. And and in that, like, um, yeah, I, I guess flash pulses have gotten better in N4. I mean, crits have changed, right? So, universally, crits have changed. But flash pulses are now better than they were in N3 because you take two BTS saves. And if you get yeah. crit, if you get crit by a flash pulse, that's three BTS saves. Like that's fucking that's going to shut down a tag if they get if the tag gets unlucky. I mean, the tag is probably not going to get unlucky because it'll be at least but, BTS still, nine in cover. But still, one bad dice roll. Yeah, all that's all, all it takes. And it's and it's still like you know if you're like if you it's seven you know, points built a, a tag a tag you know that kind of list that its attack is concentrated on the tag. Suddenly again, your first turn. You got to figure out on the fly what the fuck you're gonna do with your first turn. Yeah, and the fact that you still get docked um, two orders or, or one if you've got counterintelligence for going first, there does seem to be less of at least in my my feeling there's definitely less of a reason to go first. Saying that in the games I have played, I have played, I have gone first. I've um, I have found them to be quite enjoyable. Maybe because it's just nice to just like you know swing a big dick gun around. Although I'm not doing that in the 16 inch challenge. Although the 16 inch challenge is still pretty, still pretty long. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, enough of that. Uh, Do we it, want to talk about strategic use of command tokens? Oh yeah, we were gonna we were gonna get into reserves. That was where we we're gonna sort of. Um, oh yeah, sure. Um, so I mean, we can I, maybe talk about strategic use and then talk about reserves because it's. We'll talk about reserves if we talk about that section. Of True. Okay. Let's talk about strategic use of command tokens. Yeah. So um, first up, docking your opponent two orders, I still think is... Is the default. Default. Exactly. Yeah. I, there, I, I, there I, are, honestly, honestly, even if I know they've got counterintelligence, I do it anyway. Just to get yeah. one order out. Yeah. One order Why is not? better than no orders. Right? Yeah. Um, the, the, the issue you come up with there is then... Like the the armies that you're seeing these days, are they all ten fives? Because I know I'm not running ten five. I'm running like seven eight. I'm finding yeah, it. But- I'm finding it so difficult these days to know what my fucking opponent is doing because they're being so 
in N3, I feel like the propensity was like 10, 6, 10, 7, 10, 5, whatever it is. 10, now 10, it, 10, Mike. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Now it's like 8 and 7. And I'm like, fuck, whatever, man. Just I'll just roll a dice. Like I'll just take two orders from... I don't know what's in your group. And you've just probably got... Just like, yeah, I, and you've probably got a command token that you're just going to move whatever it is I dock into group 1 yeah, anyway. Well, I mean, like, yeah, these days my armies are 8, 7, and I've, like my main list has got a drop troop and a hidden deployed Hundun. So yeah. really, you're like it's you're looking at, at six 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 six, and you're like, yeah. what is this? I know, I know, I have no idea what's going on. I was who was I played? I can't remember. I played recently. It might have been you, Nick. But I was just like looking at going, yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't know what you've got on the table. I'm not even gonna bother trying to count this up. Like, if you got fifteen orders, I don't know. Like, it, I just don't like. If you got a drop troop, fucking maybe. Like, I really like the way that that goes. I, I look at an army and I shit myself because I'm like. Oh, if I get docked two orders, I've got four orders in group one. <laughs> like, it's really not fun. <laughs> I, I, I feel sometimes a bit unoriginal. Un, un Again, uh, having played Sam, he he does this a lot. A lot of his uh, things are like, you know, like nine, six or, um, yeah, the seven, eight. Yeah. Uh, with like impetuous and stuff. And I, I mean, admit, admittedly, I, I tend to be able to make the decision because most of the time there's like a fast attacky piece that I'll be like, ah, oh, just shut that one down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not as, it's not as clear cut as it used to be. It used to be, I take it off your big group. Yeah. Now there's way, I feel there's way more of yeah. the, of the second group that you're like, don't dock my second group. Cause that's what I'm actually going to be pushing into your face on turn one. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, to, to counter it, I did try, I did go for it through a spiel of playing Rama without docking orders because I wanted the four command tokens because I needed them, um, mostly just to move move stuff from group to group every, every turn. Yeah. And I don't feel like I really missed it that much. Um, As in, miss the command token or miss? No, I don't feel like I met, I don't feel like I suffered too harshly for my opponent having two extra orders. I mean, I th- I think sometimes it does depend on. It, it depends. It, I think I think what, I think as a general of, thumb, it, do it. Yeah. At that point, at that point of using the command tokens, you've seen most of what your opponent has, so you can make a decision well, whether you think it's your alternative is to go into suppressive fire. Which... Well, no. I mean, you could also not let them use coordinator orders. That's the only one. one. Yeah. Okay. Well, Fair enough. So if I'm playing, if I'm playing an, a vanilla opponent in biotech war, of course, that's what I'm doing. Yes. No. That. No. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good point. But I can't um, necessarily think of any other situation where that's what I'm doing. But but are you going? Are you, are you going into suppressive fire? I'll tell you. There's one. There's one thing I would I've, do. I've not. I've not done it yet. Not once. Not 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 once. Okay. So just to 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 go back to my 16 inch challenge. Uh, something that I found uh, I played one game of it so far so I don't know yet but one thing I am excited about using is the uh, the Delami rifle light shotgun profile because everyone uses the light shotgun Panzerfaust camo one because obviously it's great but for one point more you can swap the Panzerfaust out for an actual rifle now that's a nine point model you can infiltrate up the board and then spend a command token to put that one model in suppressive fire I'm like, I don't know if it's good, but it's a nine-point model that you just put on the midline in Suppressive Fire looking directly at a link team. Maybe a thing? I don't know. Um, yeah, I can I can kind of see, like, 
I use I I use rockets recently who have like the camo zero. Yeah, basically basically rockets. Yeah, yeah, same idea as the llama. Yeah, I can see the worth. I can see the worthwhile in putting them in some pressure instead if they've got them in the right position because you get the neg three at least. Well, yeah, because because the reason why, and I, I don't want to go on the, on a tangent, but this is why I think the rifle at Shock and Delame is like a great sleeper hit because no one, nobody expects it, and it's going to start the game in camel state. Not and then, right, and then, and then people are going to go, oh, that's a fucking Libertos, or oh, that's a Delame with Panzerfaust, or that's a rock op, but who gives a shit? And they're not going to deploy necessarily against it. They're just going to be like, oh, whatever, it might do something, it might not. And then you go reveal, and it's in suppressive fire, and you're going first, can, what do you do? Can you can you spend the command token on a camo marker to put in a suppressive, hence revealing at the same time? As far as I'm aware, yes. As far as I'm aware, yes. There's nothing stopping you from putting it, because you can you can put a camo marker into suppressive fire, there's nothing stopping By you. By spending a regular order in EFF. Yeah, yeah, so it's the yeah. same same idea, although I, you know, we could always consult um, Gav or Rob or somebody on the internet to confirm that, but I think it... Let us know, listeners, let us know. Yeah, I think it makes sense. But, um, what were you saying? Oh yeah, uh, cam- I said strategic use of the command tokens. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, coming back to that, um, Point. Uh, that yeah, yeah. The point about um, <laughs> suppressive fire yeah. with the command token. I mean, if you got something that can infiltrate, if something's got mimetism as well, that's going to help as well because the neg three from the suppressive is going to stack with any other visual mods as well. Um, I feel like if your opponent's got a really obvious line of attack that they're going to come through, maybe do it. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to be doing it with just a combi rifle though. Yeah, I I mean, I was thinking about this the other night because of, you know, the the challenge and, like, how I can, like, leverage these combi rifles to my to the best extent. And I was looking at the Greif Operator, who is, a, like, a 21-point impersonator. Like, put him on the on your opponent's DZ, or hell, even roll for him, get him into, get him into your opponent's DZ, right next to the link team, and then, and then spend that yeah. command token to put him in suppressive fire and be like, what are you going to do with your link team? It could be like a suit. It could almost be like a uh, like a pseudo infiltrated mine sort of sort of thing. Yeah, I mean you it's know, a bit more expensive. Like with, but... with, the, with, the, with the, well, no, I was more saying like with the Delami, you can still take your chances and roll with it. Yeah, it's an eight or a seven. I can't remember. It's a seven. I think it's a seven. Oh yeah, I was, I was I know. I, I I was thinking. I was thinking of your hard cases, but I don't think the hard cases has a suppressive. Weapon. No, hard cases have rifles. Oh, there you go. Or can't have a rifle. Oh. Um, anyway, sorry, Nick, we're getting off on topic again. No, that's okay. We can get back on track. <laughs> Let's get back on track. Uh, what's the, what's 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 the next? What's the next? No, one? no, no. We're Go still talking through. about. We're still, still talking about the the, you, the strategic, um, strategic use of command tokens. So one of the ways no, that's that we what just, I'm saying. What, what's what's the what's the other uses of it? We did the docking res- orders. We did suppressive. Extra reserve. Uh, is there one more? No, that's it. Extra That's reserve. Extra reserve. If you're going okay, first, if you're going first, yeah. you get that second or third reserve if you've got Strategos. If you've got Strategos yeah, so well. I've not been in a position myself where I've thought that's a good idea to use because I do always have a lot of impet- not impetuous, irregular models and I don't want to spend a command token at turn zero uh, 
when I could spend that later on and it could be more valuable to, valuable yeah. to me. Sure, you get more of a surprise on your opponent. There's more of that factor. But once that wears off, you're still down one command token. Well, what would you... Before we, before we get into that, like, let's just say, let's just say you, you're always going to have one reserve model. What model in your list in general do you... This is a great, great question, take? Jacob. Great, great, great question. Yeah. Like, like what makes like for me, for me having played Steel Phalanx, almost every single time it's the it's Achilles. The Gamer Marks. It, well, no, oh. it's a Gamer Marksman. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll get, I'll get to putting things like Achilles in reserve. Right, but Achilles didn't work very well in Steel Phalanx. He still doesn't. But what if you're going? Um, is that does, that does that vary if you're going first or second though? Surely it would. Uh, well, again, with with Steel Phalanx, there's never been really a reason to because it's the only one that makes sense because the rest of them are sort of like you know every, like if i have a fire team of three myrmidons that has no like oh captain, okay. captain so to speak right but in in gen in for them it's the for those sorts of armies where everything else is sort of obvious you just take it so you can you can counter deploy as well as possible but there's plenty of other considerations where like you like where you can uh, you know, if you want to put a hidden deployed model somewhere, like the perfect spot, you hold them in reserve. Oh, but do you ever hold a, res a hidden deploy model in reserve, though? Because doesn't that just tip your hand? I, because I, okay, because so full disclosure, people, I don't, I don't tell people to turn around when I have a hidden deploy model. Same. Right, Same. and I know that seems to be the common polite thing. I'll just take a picture of the table at the start and then I'll edit it on paint yeah. or on whatever I, the thing is, right? Or I'll write it or, or, and, 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 and I'll make a and I'll make a note as well. Yeah, when you mentioned when you like mentioned doing that, uh, like just take a picture of your side or the table and then just circle where they are and mark whether they're prone or not. Mm -hmm. um, that was what I was like. That's a brilliant idea. That's what I do. I'll do from now on. Because it removes uh, the really, whole mind game thing as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, in the, turn around, I don't have it. Turn around, I do have yeah, it. Like in the and, and and what it does is like that whole debate of whether they people turn around, turn around. You don't have to have it. Just take a picture. Yeah. Um. But um. But anyway, I mean, sorry, like, yeah, you were saying like, yeah. I, again, my experience with holding back hidden models comes from a, a comes from a very specific example of um using proxies so, so really count. but just to um, clarify your steel phalanx point the reason why you use the game of marksman is because it's the only thing in the gate in the army pretty much that can't be linked well not the well, only no, thing no, but no, like no 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 not that it can't be linked it's the only one where its position can really matter so like True. if i if i want to cover if like let's say i've got two fire lanes going diagonally across the table just as an example um I'll wait until my opponent's put down most of his stuff to be like, okay, his big attack piece is coming down this table. He only has a Spitfire. I'll take pot shots at him from this angle. So it's about it's about counter deploying on that first turn as best I can. Okay. Yeah. So you're not necessarily keeping your neck. Are you okay, mate? Are you dying out there? Are you fine? Good. Um, okay. Yeah. So what about you, Nick? So talking to you, give him marksmen. Are you what are you kind of deploying? 
Whether you're going first or second, I guess. Yeah. If I'm going, regardless of if I'm going first or second, what I'm taking these days is got a, like I say, a five man link team. And it's so obvious what's going to be in that link. I don't bother keeping any of that in reserve. Mm -hmm. Right. That's straight up on the table. Yeah. Um, I've got enough other, like, hidden information and obfuscation in the list that I don't really need to, um, hide too much. And I really don't feel like, the way that I'm playing at the moment, that the reserve model doesn't really come into play for me that much at all. Generally, at the moment, I'm sort of putting down, I'm keeping a, um, I take a couple of like midfield skirmishes, um, and one of them is going to be my reserve, uh, because it can then, I can use well, like that. Like or something? Yeah, Guilang, that's yeah. right. So, um, Guilang to counter deploy, like I, I might keep the Guilang with the deployable repeater in reserve because then I can put him down and the repeater down to counter what my opponent's deployment is yep. uh, for from this perspective of locking down and a that's lane. usually if you're going second, right? Yeah, that's more, right. I mean, more likely. I mean, exactly. If I'm going first, um, it won't be that one. It'll be the other Guilang who's more of a attack-style Guilang who's going up to try and just... He's already in the midfield. He's already halfway up. It means it's going to cost me less orders to get him further up and do a little bit of damage. Um, I'm not using my link team aggressively in turn one because it's too cumbersome and it's too prone to um, being picked apart by moving out of its bunker position. I'll spend my first turn using my other my other um, models to do as much damage as possible, like the things that already infiltrated up, like dropping in a drop troop or, or something like that. Yeah. So um, because I'm sort of keen on using a drop troop as my as an alpha piece or a um, or something like that, I don't necessarily put that much thought into the piece that I'm keeping in reserve. And the like in the in the re most recent tournament that I played at, that was one thing that I kind of came to the realization of. It's like I'm deploying pretty much all the stuff that I want to be deploying, and there's nothing here that's jumping out at me as having to be the reserve. So okay. I don't really put that much. So I wonder how you. Um... Yeah, I wonder how you play with that then, because there's lots of things you can sort of play with. I know one of the this is probably still a popular, a popular reserve drop, but it's the humble Libertos. I've been counter deployed by Libertos more times than I have fingers on my hands, and it surprises me every fucking time. It's like, oh, I'll put my fide down, or I'll put down, I don't know, something as my reserve. My opponent will be like, here's a camo marker and another camo marker. I'm like, oh, Libertos, of course, he's coming out again. Does that camo marker have mimetism? No. Yeah, I know, right? That's the difference, right? <laughs> and, and and if they go first, they can they can really push that little 9.1 SWC motherfucker like all the way to the side of the table if, if, if you've given them an opportunity. Because you're like, what's the reserve going to be? Oh, it'll be a tag. Oh, it'll be a missile launcher. Oh, it'll be a sniper. Oh, no, 9 point. Libertos. <laughs> and um, yeah, you can wreck your day, the little guy. So like there's like there's interesting things to think about when you so when I played my game against Ryan, I played with Saladin and I also spent a command token, so I had three reserves. And one of my reserves was a nine point Delami, who was you know, who I put on a rooftop to basically plunge you know, put some plunging fire into his link team on turn one, which A he didn't expect because he wasn't expecting a rifle Delami. He was expecting a light shotgun, so he was like, oh, I don't really care. And then B, it's, it's nine points, so it died, and I didn't really care that it died. Like, it had a, it had, it had a punt. It failed. 
because it's yeah. base loving um, and has no mimetism mods. But I don't really care that it failed, and it was a good little um, you know a, you know reserve to put down. I've I've started. Uh, I'm I'm including Liang Kai in my lists these days. Oh yeah. And I reckon I've, I've probably a, I've seen him. I've seen him a couple of times. I've, I've reckon I'm starting to like him. I reckon I've played probably eight games with him so far, and he has not yet done a single thing for me. Oh, I think but, I think Liang Kai. But is... I've still I've still got hope. So I might start using him as my reserve because he gets a forward deployment. Yeah. And then, like particularly if I'm in my first turn, deploy him forwards, and then you can impetuous into him impetuous move and then dodge because uh, he gets plus inches on his dodge as well yeah um and the dodge move is not subject to the impetuous rules so you could then put him in a better position using that movement as well. i reckon there's some From spicy somewhere. things some so sp- there's some spicy things you can do like like Lian kai is similar to like a crack hot like i used to like like putting a crack hot down as reserve because you know, he, he might be able to find a, a, a lane. He's got forward deployment. He's only 14 points if he goes down. I don't really mind. Um, you know, if he can, if he can maybe reveal a mine, dodge it, you know, that, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm not fussed about that. Um, I think especially going second, a good, uh, a good model to keeping your reserve is, um, it, it's something that has, Either another model attached to it. Oh, okay. Um, so you're talking so about the, yeah. Oxbots, and, 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 Proxies, Puppet, pu- puppet Masters, those, those those sorts of things, yeah. Yeah, oh, Puppet Master, that's a good dogs, one. Um, things with dogs in area. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also things with, um, like like you're saying, the the, uh, the Guilang, isn't it? That's the, yeah. The, the, the mine layer version of that. Uh, it if, you, if you're going second and you want to clog up one of those laneways you've got two tokens with which to do that oh yeah 100 percent. and the, but you see the, the, that mine layer version is also the one that's got the deployable repeater mm-hmm. so by by keeping him in reserve like when going second um it means that you also get to choose if i'm putting down a shock mine or a deployable repeater yeah even even so. better so i think i think the more models you can um keep in reserve um by doing that sort of thing, yeah, I, I that's think fair. I think I think if you've got no other choice, just the one that will mean that you have the most drops. So th- if you've got a mine layer, just choose the mine layer. I think it's got to do with your back to the strategy as well. Like you know, if you're going first and you need to push buttons, and maybe your button pusher is your reserve. If you're going yeah, first, I'm just, trying to, I'm just to, trying to talk in general. Yeah, yeah, but, but in general, you know, in general, you want it to feed into your strategy, right? You know, you don't want it. Like we were obviously talking about some 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 fun maybe some vanity picks on on that on that one, but like I personally, me personally, will not or will not often keep my scariest piece in reserve. Like a speculo is one thing, right? I will do that because it's it needs it often needs to have the best place to go down. But if I have a tag. There is value in putting that down first, as you said, Nick, to to hopefully like throw your opponent off balance that they will yeah. be like, Oh well, okay, direct guns in this direction, but you also then have a drop trip who are just you know, who are, who's waiting in the wings to drop down because everyone's facing your tag. Yeah, you can see the like, field you, to like you, lighten up an area. If you deploy you're playing a sectoral, you deploy four or five mooks with no special weapons all around each other. 
then of course your opponent's reserve drop is going to be the HMG or uh, Orc or, or the Orc Foyerback or whatever it is, that, that model that's going to be the uh, quarterback for that link team. Um, yeah. It's obvious. So if it's obvious, why not just do it to start with and keep something less yeah. obvious in reserve? To have yeah, an actual element I, I used to have this. I used to have this like trek. Well, not, it wasn't really a trek because I don't think it worked that well. But when I, like playing like playing Starco, where I'd play, I put down two brawlers, like two regular brawlers, maybe like an a, an a CSU who could theoretically form a Harris, and I put them down, you know, oh, in, on the ground level, and then my reserve drop would be the MSV two sniper who would then form the Harris with like the three more like with the three models and one person would be out the link. But I think people looked at that and was like, "Why is there three mo- Where's the where's the sniper, Kevin?" I'm like, oh, "It's going to be on the rooftop um, <laughs> in my reserve." Uh, <laughs> so it doesn't really work. I don't think it really works. You, I, I thought you should have done like, it against me. People pull tricks in Infinity like, all the time, and they like, fucking like, annihilate. Like, 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 I think the only advantage of doing something like that, like you said, um, Nick, is that it allows you to put that piece in the best position. So, like, if you've got four guys spread out across the table. Or not across across a building, then it allows you to put that sniper or the HMG in the the best position that's still within eight inches of the other members. Like rather than yeah, like I mean, signing yourself to that time, corner. You know? How many times is there going to be more than one spot that's always yeah, going to be the position yeah, anyway? No, that's, yeah, that's 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 fair. Yeah, and and uh, there's a I suppose a, a general uh, advice for deployment <laughs> is that yeah. is that if you've got a five man a fire team, you might think it's really like you might think it's a good idea to spread them out and have like this the dude in the middle be the link team leader. I have never once had like that. As soon as it gets to your turn and you have to try and get that five man link together and moving. Yeah. Especially when you want your big we, gun to be the leader, but if your big gun's the leader, half of the fire team drops out. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it, it, it's the, just the, not worth deploying like that. The link team. We haven't talked about link teams, and I'm I don't want to, but no. There is, there is a there is a bit of finesse in when you deploy you know I've I've seen it before and I'm like fuck me dude like really you know where they deploy the the link and everything is like pretty much eight inches away from the guy who is the link leader yeah and you're like do you want to activate any other member of this fire team because if you do you're gonna have to break the link and start again and they're like yeah it's fine we'll just we'll we'll, we'll work that out when it comes to it I'm like oh, okay so. Yeah. But back to sort of what we are talking about is the strategic use of holding two things in reserve. Uh, you know, Wait, are we, are we still talking about that? Yeah, that's why we get. The, well, that's why we we had to talk about reserves first. Oh, I guess uh, I guess what I wanted to talk about, well, mention there was like if you are if you do have two or more reserves, it's like one a defensive piece and one's an active piece, or are they both active pieces, or what? Are, you know, what's going on? I I, I would say. Uh, and taking a look at uh, again, uh, again uh, my most most recent games have been uh, against uh, Sam playing O twelve. Is he he's taken the oh not the razor the raptor and the, the raptor is um, a good one actually yeah and the bronze okay you, if you if you spend a command token and I, like I'm talking about his specific list here. Um, and I'll get on to my example of it. If he spent the command token and pulled both the bronze and his raptor um, out as reserve, I would look at his army and go, I got no idea what the fuck you're going to drop. Like, it, yeah, it could be a tag or it could be two. Yeah, no, I think that's, it could be, a, that's could very be powerful. Omega, could, could be two, could be two raptors, could be two ga- gammas, could be two betas. I don't know, right? Yeah. Because 
No, there's definitely could, something powerful about that. It could be a Lynx that he's holding back and something else. My example of it was sort of what you were talking of, um, is I um, held back Atlanta and Achilles. Yeah, good combo, yeah. And, and so, and what that allowed me to do is I could put, because it, so I think one thing you have to consider is if you look, if you get into a situation where both positioning, um, like, well, sorry, where positioning and how they're going to get somewhere is really important for like, like when I was playing Achilles, Achilles seems really strong, but he, I mean, he's still only... He's fucking strong, well, he's, man. He's three wounds. He's he, armor six. He, he, like, he's he is, fucking like, strong. Like, sorry. Let's not beat around the bush here. No, no, no. <laughs> so, sorry. What, what, I, what I meant is, like, he is strong, but he's still vulnerable to a bad dice roll. I, I actually, um, I watched the, the movie, Troy, like, right. a couple of days ago, right. last week. Fuck, that's a good movie. Oh, <laughs> I haven't yeah. seen it so long. With, with, yeah. with, uh, with Brad, Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt yeah. as, um, and Eric Banner as Hector. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I, um, I think I need to watch great, that. Really, because I, I think I, I think the last time I watched that was before I got into Infinity, so I think I'd have a new appreciation of like, you know, happy you know best friends and stuff. But um, yeah, I I think I think it's it is sort of fringe situations where you'll ever use that sort of thing. But I think it's when positioning for two units, especially like Atlanta is, I had the TR version, so she's forty four points or something. Yeah. Achilles is sixty seven points or something like that. When you've got two pieces that are really expensive, really powerful, one particularly squishy, but also that need to be put in the right position depending on how your opponent deploys, that's when you pull it you you use that command token. Not so much when like in a general situation, in a very specific situation where you need both your models to be in the right spot. I think it's all you can also really psych an opponent out. Like I think when I played Ryan, I'm I'm, I'm not saying I psyched him out by any means, but when I had a list that had a hidden deployment, one hidden deployment, one AD, and I was holding three things off the table, and everything else was in camel state, pretty much. He looked at my list and was like, "I don't know what." What what are you, have you? It's, I don't know what's going to happen here. This is a magnitude yeah. guard. I don't know what you've got, like, you, and it's kind of freeing because you just be like, "Well, it's actually it's this," and they're like, "Oh, yeah. oh." So it, it, you know, it could be the same thing for like the same sort of thing for um, uh, tackle or any sort of camo heavy armies. You pull yep. two non camo pieces off the table, and then the, your opponent's like, "You could have any of your strong pieces. I have no idea what you've got." Yeah, it's like I mean, right. even like Rob Cantrell's um, vanilla vanilla combined army list. I'm looking at going. Holy fuck! Like you hold two things off. You've like held a Raichu and like an Umbra Samaritan, and I'm like, yeah, fuck! Like those two are great pieces. That any one of those pieces going down would give you would give you pause. Holding back both of them will yeah. like you know you don't know because they can be they both be attacked in very different ways so it's quite um yeah it's quite uh the, it could be quite powerful if you have the list that you've kind of built to do that for the umber samaritan is another good example of like you want to aim him at a crack in your enemy's armor you won't know the, where that crack is but the right show but the right show can make it for you as well which is the thing yeah, exa- yeah. Ex- exactly but like you need like you hold two guys back if you need to build yeah. a strategy to crack you, your opponent's defense. Yeah, you're yeah. You're, the, the, you're holding you're spending that command token to hold back two models if those two models are required to synergize with each other. 
not necessarily yeah. to join each other, but they complement. Actually, yeah. that's a really good point because even now I think it back to my um, example was um, Atlanta taking on uh, a tanko so that Achilles could approach and get rid of everything else. So yeah, you you are absolutely correct. Where those two, if you need two pieces to work together, and you know you need to put them in line so that that synergy actually happens, that's when you pull. This you use this this um command token. Command token. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good point. And um. And the only other one I'll add is if you've got advanced command and have no plan to use that extra command token, it's you know it's something. Oh, the plus one command token, which is like, yeah, yeah, really really handy. Oh, sorry, say. advanced command doesn't exist anymore. Sorry, it does not plus exist. No, token. just like ODD doesn't exist, and yes. uh, sorry, I forgot. Burning doesn't exist, and other things don't exist. Um, we might have to wrap it up soon because we've been going on a little while. But if there's anything else that you want to mention specifically about deployment, there's a couple of things that we haven't quite covered off on yet. But if you, even if there's like some, I don't know some spicy takes that you want to talk about. I mean, the the power of deploying first and going second is that the new way to win games in N four. I mean, look. I think. I think maybe, maybe for better players than me. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think that's ever a power. I don't think that's ever a power move. I think that's always been a. I want to go second, and I'll do it no matter what the fuck you try and make. Yeah, it. I mean, I think there's some armies and there's some playstyles that can do it. Um, what I what you were talking about before, I guess, just kind of round off on that is the spotting a hole in your opponent's deployment. So if you are going even if you're going first or second, it doesn't really matter. But um, I was thinking about this the other day because I was like uh, talking to Toby, and I was remembering when he played a game. It wasn't against me; it was against like Luke or somebody, and he was running Shaz, and he um, and he ran two Noctivers running Shaz. No. Yeah, no, he ran two Noctiver missile launchers as he does. But when I, I think I must have been toing the the tournament. And I walked over and I was like, what's that on the ground? He was like, it's an Octaver missile launcher. I'm like, what's it doing on the ground? He's like, I deployed it there. I'm like, okay. What's that? That's another Octaver missile launcher. Why is it next to the first one? Because I deployed it there. And I'm like, did you just deploy two Octaver missile launchers on ground level? He's Next like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I like, mean, it's it's a way of compensating for that BS12 missing all the time. I mean, imagine imagine coming up against that, though, right? Yeah, you, right? You, you, you sneak your link leader around a corner, so he's forced to reveal one, then you win the face-to-face, blow him the hell out, and you're like, this is fine, I'll just move everyone around the corner. <laughs> no, there was another one sitting right next to him. I, you, <laughs> no, you, you know, right? you, you, you know what I'm. You know what I'm thinking. Oh a really specific thing. You 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 go. Ah, oh, there's a there's going to be a fucking whatever oh. there. You flick your maroot out. You but you, because it's such a fat base, you do it too much, and suddenly they're like, and there's two missiles looking at them. If that happened to me, I would absolutely rage quit. But like, and then just like high five my opponent for such an absolute. That's such a ball fucking move. Like, I mean, that's like if if that's not like throwing your opponent off balance, like I don't know what is. Just like, wait, what? It's on the it's on the ground. And and you you know the beauty (laughs) you know the beauty of that though is because when you reveal one, if your opponent kills it, the very first thing he goes is, "I've gotten rid of his noctifer," and you run out of cover. That's what I said. That's what I mean. 
That's oh man. Wait, wait. There's more. Yeah, there's more, and it's in the same place as the last one was. Fucking surprise. Toby is great, but here's some of his lists of scum. I remember, <laughs> I remember him handing me his fucking blank list. His blank courtesy list, because it was entirely camo markers. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, my, I don't know what my point was there. It was like uh, spotting holes in your in your enemy's deployment, which was basically like, my that link team's going to come down that corridor. He has to. I'll put a Noctifer there. Oh, my opponent will expect that one Noctifer. I know what I'll do. I'll put a second one there. <laughs> you know, like that's like it's like almost like the double, the double, like you know, I'm putting that there. Oh, he'll put an octopus there. I know what I'll do. I'll like coax one out. Oh, I've revealed it. Cool. Carry on with the rest of my day. Oh, what the fuck? So it's yeah, it's it's inspired. You're playing a game of Uno and you drop out of the draw two and then they just hit back with the draw four. So hold on. What do we call that? If Kev was playing 4D chess, what the fuck is that move? Uh, oh, that's, just, that's just Uno. That's just that's that's stellar. Competitive, competitive Uno. Competitive Uno, yeah. It's um, yeah. I think um, do we want to? What else do we want to chat about? I'm I'm having to wrap up. I don't think there's anything else. We've done a lot. We've done a lot of talking. I'm not sure entirely if we've put it in a nice, neat. I like to like wrap things up in a nice, neat little package bowl thing. Yeah. Can we do something with that? Yeah, sure. I'll I'll tie a bow on this. Look. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, going second is better. <laughs> Great. Yep. I, I would. Pick, I would agree. Pick, pick deployment. Always pick deployment. Until someone That's then picks second. The end. And then, and then you're like, oh no. I pick would depo- agree. Depo- uh, in my opinion, I like with the way where the game's at right now. Like I felt like in N three where you had these orders so so many orders right your opponent always had enough orders to get to you wherever you were hiding right i feel like now the game is in a place where you opponent can't do that there you can you can hide well enough you can bunker up well enough to be able to survive relatively unscathed any type of alpha strike mostly that's going to come um and then you can just counter from there so so have the um, have this have the second alpha strike like yeah, beta strike. Like the 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 new you know, um, second is the new alpha. I don't know is that word. The second uh, orange is the new black. Black is the new black. Second That's is the new thought, first. Yeah. Second is the new first. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, patience, patience. That's what patience, my young Padawan. Um, go second and, and, and prosper. And if you're a veteran uh, player out there, try and help those newer players with the nuances of deployment. Um, you know, if they're trying to make a decision of going second and they, you know, fluff their words or anything, you know, teach them, say, like, is this what you mean? Don't just take the take what they say. You know, if they say, I, I want to... I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I get what you're trying to say, Jacob, but I'm not sure if it's ever actually happened where someone has accidentally said, I'm going to choose to go second. Instead of saying "I'll choose deployment," and your opponent has said, "No, no, you're going second. No, no, it absolutely, I've absolutely had it happen where someone said he's going second, but what he really wanted to say was, "I want to deploy second." Yeah, no, uh, that can happen, but people generally be like, "Are you sure?" And that's then if I'm, they look at you like I'm a saying. veteran and be like, "Yaha." 
I'm playing, <laughs> I'm playing tack. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Let's go for it. Um, but Yeah, but I mean, like, again, there's so many nuances with this that... Um, we can never cover it. Well, like, it, oh, oh, I mean, like, I, like to, to, to summarize, like you said, um, deploy second, de- de- choose, choose, pick sites, right? Pick the side that benefits you for your strategy, be it um, pushing buttons or whatever. Um, cover, oh, fuck, what am I talking about? Do you need to thing. be thinking about the mission from yes. the start. Yes, yeah. the mission is the primary, and then you can adapt your primary strategy based on the table and the the uh, the army, and if you know them, the opponent. Because you know, if I know Ryan Kirby, he's he's a jackass, and no, he's he, not. He's a beautiful man. He's he's a, he is a beautiful man, but he is also a jackass, and he will every time will surprise me with something. Like, like in my game, like in, like, 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 this is how fuck Toha is, right? So he, he took a Chaxa heavy rocket launcher, which I've never seen before, ever, as his reserve drop. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, it's just a Chaxa with a heavy rocket launcher. And he's like, ah, but there's more. I'm like, what, what's more? He also has a light shotgun. I'm like, well, okay, well, my Fide is not going to go after him now, then is he? And he's like, no, that, that was the, that was a plan. I'm like, fuck you, Ryan. I'm just going to sit here and not attack your Chaxa because I don't want to get, like, shotgun to death. So it's just, you know, so be aware is this, of, your, is this your summary of deployment? That's my summary of deployment. Like, like <laughs> no... Fuck Ryan Kirby? Something, yeah. something, something, Chaxa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck Ryan Kirby. Like, no, no. Uh, know, your, know the table. Like, know the mission, first of all. Mission number one. Second, I would say examine the table. Third would be the opponent's army. Well, the the strategy... Have have a framework in mind beforehand so that you don't take 35 minutes to deploy. Yeah, but also also that that when your opponent reveals that they're playing combined army, you're not immediately going, oh, no, there's an avatar, I don't have to deal with that. Like, like that comes down... That that should not move your strategy so much that it completely, like, puts it in the bin. Like, you should have a solid strategy for any... In any encounter, and then adapt it depending on the table, and the opponent, and the mesh, and the uh, the army that you're playing. Because you know, you might play an opponent that is like, well, this is a thing that they have. I now need to be aware of that, so maybe I won't do this, or maybe I will do do that. You know, um, you know, as an example, here's Toha. They've got mates and bombs, so I probably won't run my fide into their link team because A, they have mates, and B, they have bombs. So just gonna, you know, like pull that pull that back. Whereas on like, you know, another army you'd be like, okay, cool, I'll just run this fide in and like kill some things. So yeah. you know, Great. those are important things. Perfect. Great summary, Kev. Is that was that a good summary? Did you like that? Yeah, I think so. But um I but think, uh, I think, but I think but, that's I think I think that's I think that's where we can probably leave it there and um, thank our listeners. So you happy to happy to do that unless there's yeah. no other thought. Okay, no, great. We'll no, my name is no. my name is Nick. My name's I'm Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just a reminder. 
We have the 16-inch challenge starts from... 16-inch challenge. 16-inch challenge starts. We're going to put that on the Discord channel. Please send your uh, entries in to lossoflieutenant, one word, at gmail.com. And we'll Nick and I and Jacob will find out how to access that email account. And um, there's a blister in it for you if you win, which we will, we will reveal maybe at, on the next show or but most we'll likely but we'll most likely at someone, the end of the month me. at the end yeah. of next month we'll do it then which might be when the next episode is i'm not quite sure and if you have if you haven't already uh come and join our community on the uh the loss of lieutenant lol discord server um i don't think yes. it's ever been not completely filled with people posting stuff it's so good yeah. it's really fun right, we on have... there, like still just going nuts there's right, like over 100 have... members now and it's yeah. great we oh, have, and like you, Infinity Whips, uh, like work in progress is being put up. People uh, giving um, uh, advice. advice on this advice. There's just flat out shit posting. If Infinity Crit posting is not enough for you, yeah, it's um, it's not like Infinity Crit posting. I got we, we got, got some plans to try and help the community um, to grow, but we'll talk about those in a later episode. Yeah, we appreciate all and everybody who comes and and uh, and chats and talks about lists and looks for advice we can't guarantee the best of advice but it'll be fun uh oh also just a quick shout out um anybody who wants to make us a nice looking logo uh please get in touch with us on our facebook and or discord and or email because uh i'm looking for somebody uh thanks anyway so (laughs) nick do you want to take us away (laughs) okay as 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 we started off before a little bit prematurely but uh, thanks again for listening, guys. If you've got any feedback, let us know. Jump on that Discord, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll leave you with it. So my name's been Nick. <laughs> He's been Kevin. I've been Jacob. And you've been listening to Loss of the Lieutenant, and that's a wrap. Good night.